Flashback 64 is the podcast where Gooey, McKenna, and friends flashback to the 90s and early 2000s with a look at the Nintendo 64's catalog. Starting with the console's launch titles and proceeding in release order, they discuss each game and the contemporary cultural and historical context. We discuss games such as Super Mario 64, GoldenEye, Ocarina of Time, and many more iconic titles, along with the lesser-known games. Follow us on Twitter at Flashback64Pod and listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. From OmegaMetroid.com, my name is Andy Spateri, joined by Dakota Lasky, Duminal Crossing. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our Canadian listeners out there. I don't think there's a lot of us, but to any of you that do, hope that you had a great turkey weekend. How are we doing today, guys? Pretty good, pretty good. Our Thanksgiving is still a little ways off, but you know, hey, you know, I can't, uh, can't fault a good day to eat some delicious food, you know. It's easily... Personally, those are my favorite holidays of the year, is the eating holidays, but I don't know. That's just me. Mm. Um, Andy, so I have a question. I've never actually experienced a Canadian Thanksgiving, so how similar is it to an American Thanksgiving if you've had one? Or can you well, describe what it is? Like, like, I've never had American Thanksgiving. I, okay. I think for, for all intents and purposes, you know, it's it's the same thing. You get together, you have dinner, you have turkey, you have mashed potatoes, you have pumpkin pie, you, you know, you have... Okay. You have all that kind of stuff, but but I have consistently heard from people that that I know that have uh, that have had American and Canadian Thanksgiving that uh, American Thanksgiving seems like just like more of a more of a bigger deal, like more of a a spectacle, I guess. Really, if if you want to say that, where and I, I'm not sure what exactly they're referring to, but I, I have heard that. So I don't know if we've got any. You know, uh, dual citizens uh, on the show, or, or that list of the show, or maybe even in America for one and Canada for another. Let us know, because that's a good question. But I, like, I think it's all the same. It's much more of a spectacle. It might be more commercialized though, because a lot of American holidays are super. I would imagine Canada, it's the same thing too. Yeah, but like, but Thanksgiving, especially with like Black Friday on the same day, like it is super commercialized. Well, like, isn't I? I mean, look, I, I'm not a I'm not a historian, but. I mean, I'm aware that there's a, and a there's a history to quote unquote history to the American Thanksgiving, mm. and it's I don't is, is there also history to the Canadian Thanksgiving, or do y'all just like hey that's a good idea we'll we'll also just do that, but in October. Um, you know, Allison asked me something similar yesterday on the Zelda cast, and and I did look it up. <laughs> it, it it's a very arbitrary reason that we have Thanksgiving in October versus uh, November. It's it's basically like when. It's got something to. I'm gonna butcher this. People are gonna scream at me, but like when when Uh-oh, the crops when the crops are like harvested or whatever, like the prime okay. time after the something to do with that, and that's that's when they were just like, let's give thanks for the. the that's season. a better reason. Probably, that's a better yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you stall for time for me, I could I could look up the uh, the actual reason, but. Uh, um, I can definitely stall for time because speaking of <laughs> of maybe calendar days or or days to look forward to, we recently had a big. Maybe not holiday, but anniversary 
We did have the two-year anniversary anniversary of the release of Metroid Dread. So that's yes. something worth celebrating as if it was a holiday. Yes. Um, yeah, so so just to, to wrap this up really quick, the uh, it's literally just a harvesting thing. So the, the official reason okay. the Canadian Parliament decided that the bountiful harvest in which Canada has been blessed, we're going to celebrate it. That was it. That's it. It's all right. Um, but yeah, two years. Can you, Wow. Wow, does time ever go by? Uh, it seems like not that long ago that Metroid Dread was a pipe dream. And we were doing an episode in the early days of this podcast just being like, imagine what this game would have been like <laughs> if it ever came out. Crazy. Literally months before it was announced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't even um, I wasn't even on the podcast as a full time member yet. I was still just a, an occasional guest at that point. Yeah, it's weird how yeah. uh, everything that's uh, transpired since then. Like this game that I was literally daydreaming about when I was like in fifth grade, and now it's just like this normal thing where I have the entire map memorized in my head. It's it's bizarre, but also really cool at the same time. Yeah, there's gonna be a point in the show where there's gonna be more episodes. Um, I hope at least more episodes post Metroid Dread than than pre-metroid dread mm-hmm. which if you had started a metroid podcast at any other time in the past 20 20 years uh that ratio would be kind of swinging in the other direction really mightily in uh, in on that note too i think it's kind of serendipitous you mentioned that you're just a guest at the time doom your your first podcast episode you ever did with us was like how would i map out metroid prime on the joy cons and and you know lo and behold we have that too so it's yep. uh, it's crazy how, <laughs> how that goes but yeah you know um we we kind of threw it out on Twitter, like where does Metroid Dread rank for a lot of people in their in their you know order pecking order of, of the Metroid series? And well, I think that you know we've had some fairly consistent criticisms. Obviously, music I think everybody agrees could be better, and that might be a, a story you know nitpick uh, or two here and there. But I think overall, like a lot of the feedback that I saw was like, this is like a top three, top two, maybe even my favorite Metroid game for a lot of different people, which is really mm-hmm. heartening to see. Cause I feel like, and, and I'm speaking for myself. Like I, I think it's probably my third favorite Metroid game. And you know, like when you have a series and you, it's hard for those new games to get in like at the top spots. Cause you're so attached to those old games. So really, uh, really says something about Metroid dread and, and what a, what a quality reinvention it was for the series. Yeah, yeah, despite yeah, despite you know my criticisms I have with the game, like it excels so far in all the other areas that yeah, it's like it's one of the best games in the series. One of my all-time favorite games, probably not in my top ten, but like easily like a top fifteen for me. Like it's just such a phenomenal piece of work, and you know, like we were saying last time, I'm very excited to see uh, what Mercury Steam brings to the table next time. Yeah, I mean, it is it is nice to see how, like, Dread wasn't a, a safe game again, like Samus Returns was in a lot of ways. Like, we, the Mercury Steam jumped into Metroid with Samus Returns, which, you know, was safe in a lot of ways, but I think that was appropriate. And then they definitely took some risks and tried new things with Dread, which is really what the series needed. So it was nice to see that progression. And then, yeah, also just looking back at the two-year anniversary, even since then, like, Dread had got, like, a free update. Dread's been, you know, put in people's all-time list. We got Metroid Prime Remastered since then. So good times good times for Metroid, like, overall since the game has come out. And it's nice to see that Metroid is really, you know, like we've talked about, we and we did that episode of, like, oh, we in another, like, golden era of, of Metroid kind of way back when. Like, it, it almost kind of feels like we are. We have two really fantastic uh, Metroid games on the Switch. We have a bunch more through Nintendo Switch Online. 
that's available and more to come as well. So yeah, really awesome that Dread finally came out. Uh, it is weird that it is just now a game and not like this fantasy like <laughs> thing we've been thinking about for for years. And it's just a physical you know product now. But uh, it's cool that it is playable and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so it, it's it's as good a reason as any. If you haven't played Metroid Dread in a while, I can't imagine anybody listening to this show probably hasn't played Metroid Dread. But if you haven't played it in a while, it's it's as good a reason as any to go and uh, replay it and return to ZDR. So um, it's I, on I sale right now. It's on sale right now for half off at GameStop. So if for some reason you don't have it, or if you know a friend who's been itching to get in the series, That's this it. is the opportunity to do it right now. This yeah. man is pocket watching the dread prices on GameStop. <laughs> yeah. That's what's up. Um, I, you know, speaking of, I just finished Samus Returns the other day. Really, a really strong game too. I really like that game. Um, I, that's that's really all I want to say about it. But I'm very I, <laughs> every, every time I replay Samus <laughs> okay. Returns, I'm just like impressed. You know, like in uh, right. I really like that game. So, um, okay, well, uh, I, I fear that we don't have a lot of time to waste here today because we have a lot. To get into here we're debuting yeah. a new segment on the show here and uh i believe the name we came up with was the logbook archives and what this is did we agree on that did we agree on that i don't remember no, well i, I think i said logbook something you said archive something and i was like logbook archives and then nobody said anything and I was all, like, right. all right it, there it is <laughs> no one said it, like all right there we go okay. <laughs> i think there was that's fair yeah no, no i don't think any of us really cared that much we're just like yeah sure that sounds good do that <laughs> it, it sounds smart it sounds like a smart name for for something i think so uh which, which is why i was not put in charge of of the researcher because that's uh needs someone far smarter than i but so what, what we're gonna do is we're you know we like to you know we like to talk about all aspects metroid uh on this show uh, obviously i'm really fascinated in in my area that i really love is like metroid as it pertains to the real world and the trajectory of the series and stuff like that and we all have our own little little pockets of the the franchise that that are near and dear to us but what i think that we probably could have done uh, a little bit more focused on a little bit more is, is some of the like in-world Metroid lore and, and in-world happenings. And that is what this series is all about. So it's it's basically going to be an examination of a certain topic, storyline, faction, whatever. Um, and, and we're going to come back to it and, and, you know, every it'll go in the rotation, just like Inspired by Metroid or or uh, Alien in Review or, or whatever. So Mapping Metroid. Yeah. You forget Mapping Metroid? We just did one. I, I did. For, I did forget. I was, I was struggling come to think on. of another one. I was like, oh, God. Fake fan yeah. of the show. <laughs> so I'm uh, without further ado, I'm excited to announce that our first uh, episode of the Logbook Archives is based all around the space pirates and truth be told we've been we've been toying with this idea for i mean it's got to be at least a year now right yeah so like i always wanted to do one of these more in-depth like lore or story-based episodes like you said like i love the the story and world aspect of metroid as you both do but it's something that i i really enjoy personally um and then when we did the the manga episodes recently that kind of like i think got us back talking about doing the space pirate lore episode specifically but yeah something that like kind of dives into like a deep dive thing kind of like what we did with the cut content but going into actual game content then going through the history of the space pirates and just kind of reviewing it and reflecting on it uh there's a lot of history as i realized a lot that happens uh with the space pirates especially in the prime games and it was really fascinating to read and i thought it would be fun for us to kind of go through that history comment on it 
talk about things that happen, some things that don't, some inconsistencies and and the fun aspects of it and, and look into a major, major part of, of the Metroid story in the Space Pirates. So, yeah, I thought it would be a fun idea. It's also something that requires more research than our usual episode. So it's, that's why it's always been on the back burner because, you know, we do these weekly and it's like, oh, we'll do it next week. And then next week comes <laughs> yeah. and we're like, ah, great idea, but we'll do it next week, you know. And then I think finally, next like, time, all right, let's, baby. We'll, we'll finally sit down and do it. And I also think because you all have been playing Metroid Prime 3 recently as well, which is a very space pirate heavy game as well, that it's been kind of kind of inspired us, especially me. So a couple of them. Yeah, jumped in. Um, yeah, there's definitely a couple of space pirates in that game. Um so yeah, I thought it would be fun to kind of do a, a history of the Space Pirates for people that love to read Wikipedia articles about fictional characters. Like this is your this is your type episode, I feel like. So I thought it'd be fun. That's me. After after I watch an episode on anything, I'm always almost just like I'm on the Sopranos wiki, just being like, oh yeah, yeah, little details. I'm looking for that. So I'm I'm excited for yeah. this. And I think that this is gonna be uh, a really good time. But I gotta say one thing before we start. You guys gotta stop asking for that Kirby inspired by Metroid. Oh God! If one more person asks for that, I might I might throw up. And I he, specifically put that notification in the Discord. I'm like, listen, if the more you guys ask for it, the less likely it's going to happen. I'm just I mean, I'm telling Andy, you that right I now, have, Andy. I have advice for you. Is it's because you don't want to do it so much that makes people want you to do it. If you just were like, yeah, I'd be totally like. If you were cool, if if you were like, yeah, I love Kirby, or like, like just faked it and were like, oh, I would be totally down. Then there wouldn't be as much fun to ask you to do it and then it would go away uh, you, know, you know i I'll, i i see what you're saying and i'll i'll throw everybody a bone i have a i have an idea in my mind that that does involve me playing that game at some point so that's all i'm gonna say for now but i just wanted to throw that out there so don't think too hard yeah well yeah that, that's dangerous <laughs> if that happens don't do that don't um, do that Okay, well, I'll think I... for you, Andy. If we get no, no, I'll think for you. If we get a hundred Omega Metroid Patreons, Andy will play uh, Kirby in the Amazing Mirror. You heard it here first. Yeah, you know what? I, I probably would do that. Yeah, you're right. Um, okay, well, it's time. It's time. It's a year in the making. At least a year in the making. The Logbook <laughs> Archives is ready to uh, to blast off here. And uh, what better faction than to start this with? Then with the Space Pirates, and I'm gonna turn it over to you, Mr. Lasky, and and thank you for for curating all of this information and, and i'm stoked let's let's rock my man using the government name yes let's do <laughs> yeah. this um i have never done one of these before so all the listeners out there um i don't think we've really done something like this before aside maybe from the manga review and and whatnot so still very work in progress and might be rough around the edges but um yeah we'll see how long this takes because this document is 29 pages long so <laughs> <laughs> um so to kick things off since we're talking about the space pirates, Andy, can you tell me in your own words who are the space pirates? Tell me in your own words, real brief. So the space pirates are an intergalactic organization of I, I mean I would guess I'm trying to think of another word for pirates, but rogues perhaps a, a faction of you know thieves I guess for lack of a better word that have dabbled into bioweapons have dabbled into all sorts of shady practices in an effort to exert dominance over the galaxy okay okay uh doom in your own words who are the space pirates similar to Andy's but going in a bit more depth I kind of envision the space pirates as you know kind of um 
kind of this rogue faction, not necessarily guerrilla fighters, because like they have like they have this huge, they've amassed this huge armada of forces throughout the series. But you know, I envision like you know Galactic Federation controlled space, and they have these specific laws and guidelines. And the space pirates, they don't fall into they don't fall into that, and for a wide variety of reasons, some some purely purely self-controlling some purely just you know not agreeing with those specific policies they decided to go off and form their own faction and you know pirate those resources literally and kind of it started off as kind of you know colonizing off world but then as they grew and grew more ambitious they wanted to start taking over more and uh, okay. fighting back so i'm glad you all gave your answers because it is is very it is it's a nice representation of what i learned from reading about the space pirates is that it's really hard to summarize the space pirates briefly or really to give a good consistent answer on what the space pirates are that's what i learned there are three big things that kind of cover the space pirates from a introductory point of view what they are where are they from and who leads the space pirates all of these three things i honestly still could not really tell you after doing all this research <laughs> um there's certainly the space pirates the organization but there's also the space pirates, the species, right? You have Zabesian space pirates. You have other kinds of space pirates that appear that are separate from Ridley, who's clearly not a Zabesian space pirate, or other members of the organization. Mother Brain clearly isn't, but is a space pirate. So you have the those subgroups uh, of space pirates that are also referred to as space pirates, the organization. Very confusing stuff as you go through. Of course, space pirates also specialize in terms of their actual species. On Zebus, for example, you have the red space pirates and gray space pirates. You have the different troopers. Doom, you're going to say something. What is it? So I actually, I was also very confused on this up until my Prime 3 playthrough, because I was like, wait, the Metroid Prime mm -hmm. games refer to space pirates as a species, but also as an organization. I don't quite understand that. But it depends on if the species is part of an organization. When you scan a Galactic Federation trooper, it doesn't say, oh, this is a human male or a human female. No, it says this is a Galactic Federation trooper because this organism is also a part of the species. The scan visor accommodates for that. So I kind of, that my own headcanon at least, is that when you scan a space pirate, it's not saying, oh, this is a specific species. No, it's saying this is a member of the space pirate faction. That's just how right. I interpret it at least. At least in the Prime games, for sure. That could certainly be how it works. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of confusion of where they come from, what exactly they are. And especially if you're going through just the games, it can be hard to really understand because, which we didn't mention, we're not going to be covering the manga. Mm. So it's just going to be completely just the games. So we're not, you know, alienating anyone who hasn't read the manga or didn't listen to our review. And truthfully, a lot of that stuff, we don't even know if it's actually canon or not, if the entire thing is. And then a lot of it gets worked in other M anyway. So... We, we left it to just what you could purely experience from if you bought the game and played it or you received the game and played it. So before I go farther into this, just want to quickly shout out some sources that I, that I worked on for all this. Um, first of all, the games themselves. So like logbook entries, the manuals from the games. A lot of the Metroid story is in the manuals of the games themselves. In fact, a majority of it is, especially if it's not the Prime games. Um, I found a lot of those manuals on actually hosted on Nintendo's websites. Those PDFs are still hosted on a lot of, those, on a lot of their sites. I got uh, the Super well Nintendo Met and, and Metroid manual hosted on OmegaMetroid.com. Yep, they're also there as well. Um, also checked out the cutting room floor for a couple spots of, of things that were cut out. Shine Sparkers had an interview I referenced with Richard Verratti, Metroid Database, and Shine Sparkers for more um, uh, fact checking. I used the Metroid fandom wiki to kind of give me a guideline uh, and then a couple of YouTube channels. Omega Evolution YouTube, 
which I watched some old Prime 3 content in 240p. It was uploaded like 20 years ago. Oh. And uh, Away a, little, God intended. <laughs> a little bit of uh, Kiwi Talks as well. Shout outs. And yeah, so that was the majority of where I pulled this stuff from, not the manga. All right. Okay, so let's uh, let's jump into it because there's a lot to go through. All right, let's see. So we're going to be going through this through the chronological game order. So not release game order, chronolo- the chronological story, which means we start at the very first game, Metroid NES and Zero Mission. Now, I want to talk about them separately because Zero Mission retcons a bunch of what happens in the original Metroid NES, or at least some of what some of it. But it's really interesting, I think, to look at both of those games' interpretations and how Zero Mission ended up changing it later. So history of the Space Pirates begins at the very beginning of the Metroid series with Metroid for the NES. Uh, It's not an origin story for the Space Pirates, but it is the first time we meet them in the story of the series, and most of what we know from the first game comes from the game's manual, as I had mentioned. We know the Galactic Federation was created in the year 2000, though I believe that's actually changed in Zero Mission. Um, And also, crazy year for that to happen in 2000 of all years. Hey. Um, as you, as you allude to, Doom, essentially how the space pirates start is when the Galactic Federation is formed, you have these huge ships that are traveling from all these different planets and systems, and the space pirates are attacking those ships and raiding them and, and pirating them. So that's essentially where the space pirates come from in terms of them existing. The most, I think the most uh, interesting thing is that a lot, a lot of the way through the manual, the space pirates are not referred to as an organization, but simply as space pirates, not capitalized space pirates organized, but simply space pirates that are out in space and are pirating. There doesn't seem to be any formal recognition of an actual organization here. Um, as we know from the actual, you know, the story of, of Metroid through Zero Mission as well, uh, the space pirates intercept a, a Metroid specimen that was found in SR-388. Uh, Federation tries to get it back. They're repelled, so they send in Samus to take care of the job. Um, in this version of the game, Zebus is the space pirate headquarters, apparently, is the wording that is specifically used. The home of the space pirates, and specifically a fortress, as in the fortress Zebus. So, almost implying that the whole planet is essentially a fortress. Later on in the Zero Mission manual, it kind of refers to Zebus as a fortified planet and not a literal fortress. Creighton Ridley are not really mentioned as as leaders. They're kind of just mini-bosses. And Mother Brain is not referred to as the leader of the Space Pirates either. She's just the last enemy or the giant mechanical organism, as the manual specifically puts it. But it's safe to assume that anything on Zebus... I mean, is it safe to assume that everything on Zebus, or at least in those areas of the game that we play in, are Space Pirates since they're in the fortress? Kind of unclear. Ultimately, though, Samus goes through destroys everything, and routes the Space Pirates pretty, pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, in this version of the game, we don't really say that, like... It's kind of unclear what the Space Pirates actually are, because we don't really see them in the way that we see them later in the series. We don't see actual Zabesian Space Pirates in the original Metroid. Um, we meet Mother Brain and Ridley, but it's kind of unclear what their actual leadership hierarchy is, or if Kraid is even part of the Space Pirates and is not just an enemy. But by the end of the game, we run into Mother Brain, we destroy her, and Samus moves on. And that's the original Metroid. Mm. Yeah, it really isn't clear. I'm just reading the manual right now. It really isn't clear. Actually, there's a there's a great anecdote too. Samus is referred to as a space hunter rather than a bounty hunter as well. Yes. See, that I thought was very interesting. So she's referred to as a space hunter, but in that same 
uh, manual, it says the space hunters make their living by being bounty hunters and specifically yeah, says bounty hunter multiple times. Bounty hunter is weird. So it so the I'm not when I read that, I was like, it's interesting that people are like, oh, Nintendo never said she was a bounty hunter. But that pretty clearly states that that's what they always thought of her as, even if they also thought of her as a space warrior or whatever. Mm-hmm. Very clearly, uh, bounty hunters were part of the lexicon of Metroid from the very beginning. Yeah, I thought the confusion was more that Nintendo just didn't fully understand what bounty hunter translated to like in, Could you be. know, English speaking territory. Maybe, but the yeah. context of that makes it seem like they're making a living off of being bounty hunters. So they're not just using the term. They're a- operating as them as and referring to them as such. Yeah, it, it seems so. very clear that she's a bounty hunter in, in the traditional sense of the word. Um, yeah. But but yeah, back to the space pirates here. Um, yeah, you're definitely right. It's not, my interpretation of just reading the manuals. It's they're they're making Zebus sound more like a the the perfect planet for a space pirate installation because it's fortified like a fortress. Right. Like uh, you know, there's rocks everywhere, a bunch of stuff like that. But yeah, like a really uh, really loose interpretation of you know of the space pirate organization. You. You never really do figure out anything about Craig, Ridley. You do hear that Mother Brain is a leader. I think I think it says that in the opening title of the game. I think. Okay. I could be um, I could be wrong about that. I could be wrong, but um, but yeah, definitely Ridley and Craig are yeah. very just kind of there. They're important, yeah, it, but they're there. There's definitely references to Mother Brain being like the 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 mechanism to control the fortress, so to speak, mm-hmm. and not necessarily um the leader but actually i should have looked at i looked at so many intros for this i didn't look at the original metroid intro so feel free to call me out on that um so we move over to zero mission which changes things slightly and gives us a bunch of more details but the setup is pretty much more or less the same uh the federation is getting harassed by pirates it calls together bounty hunters to help them deal with them the pirates get their hands on a sample of metroids from sr388 and the federation is worried about them multiplying Metroid, so they launch an attack on Zebus in the same way. Just like in the original game, the pirates resist the Federation while they continue to breed Metroids. And the manual tells us, specifically, we actually learn how the Metroids are able to be um, uh, bred, which is through beta rays. So that's what we learned specifically. And at this time, they didn't know about Phazen. So that was the only way to do it at the time. Um, Federation, just like in the original game, picks Samus as a last resort to infiltrate the fortress because she's super nice with it. Quote, successfully completed numerous missions that others had thought impossible, which is what the manual says. And this is all pulling again from, from the manual. Um, so Samus arrives much in the same way as the original Metroid. She takes out or her plans to take out Mother Brain and deal with the Metroid problem on Zebus. Zebus. Uh, Mother Brain is referred to as the mechanical life form that controlled the fortresses and its defenses. In this version of the manual, Space Pirates is now capitalized. So many years removed, there is more formality to the Space mm-hmm. Pirate organization, at least from like the releases of Metroid so far. So now they're not just referred to as informally, not Space Pirates in general. Um, Zebus is now a fortress or fortified planet, as I mentioned, and is not referred to as the home of the space pirates. Um, and then on the 22nd and 23rd pages of the manual, we get a first little bit of clarity on some of the hierarchy for the pirates. Uh, Crate is the largest boss in the fortress, which doesn't really change much. We already knew that. Um, Mother Brain is still the mechanical life form. But on page 23, it clearly states that Ridley is the, quote, leader of the space pirates. On page 23, at least as far as Zero Mission was concerned at the time in 2004. Um, 
Zero Mission also first introduces um, the first time we see actual Zabezian space pirates in this version of Metroid. Um, as we see that first cutscene when you enter Torian, you see the Metroids absorbing the life forces of that space pirates pirate corpse on the ground mm -hmm. and then samus goes through old torian and, and finds the space pirates torian's full of dead corpses etc but we really don't get their grand entrance the space pirates at least as abesians actually until the post mother brain section of the game where samus goes through and actually fights actual abesian space pirates or at least space pirates that are on zebus and we learn way more about their actual abilities what they're capable of their technology and whatnot here um here we can say the space pirates are the space pirates the, the species, right? We're clearly fighting Zabezian space pirates in this manner, but Ridley is also a space pirate, just clearly not Zabezian, while Mother Brain runs the fortress and isn't necessarily a leader, though she kind of has that omnipotent po like presence as she's yeah. watching Samus go through Zebus and take things out. Um, so at this point, I would say all space pirates are in the space pirate org, but not everyone in the space pirate org is a literal Zabezian or of the space pirate species. At least that's my understanding at this point. I, I think so, I kind of side with Doom in, in that uh, my, my interpretation has always been the, the organization, if you're, you could be any species, whatever, but if you're a, right. if you're a member of the Space Pirates, you, for instance, all intents and purposes, you're a Space Pirate, no matter, you know, who you are, what you are kind of thing. And then one really, uh, you know, one little note, I've always loved that about Ridley, how like he, he is always supposed to be the leader of the space pirates, but you also have mother brain, you know, playing, um, playing Metroid prime three again. It's, it's a very, like, it almost feels to me like mother brain was the, like the original Aurora, like the, the supercomputer yeah. behind everything. Well, Ridley maybe had more of that dark Samus role where she was the act or key was the actual enforcer behind everything. So I, I I've always kind of liked that, uh, that relationship, I guess. Well, I was going to say, so I was just talking about how, like, you know, I'm not super confused on, like, the, um, you know, Metroid Prime's naming convention for Space Pirates anymore. One thing I am still a little confused on is the naming conventions for Zebesian, because unless I'm mistaken, I don't believe those pirates are actually native to Zebus. Exactly. That's mm -hmm. the, where a lot of my thing comes from. Because, like, for example, when you play Metroid Prime 2, those Space Pirates are clearly not from Aether, and the game even says as much. The scans for them are off-world creatures. So they must come from the pirate homeworld, maybe, or somewhere else. The space pirates on Talon are clearly not from Talon, but they're probably from Zebus because the manual in Metroid Prime says that's where they're from. But then where were those pirates from? Like you said, Doom, like they're not originally from Zebus. They're just the fortress was made there. Where the space pirates actually originate from is weird because if it's just a group of whoever, then what we're talking about, like the Zebesians, like that subgroup, where does that actually originate from? Is it the home world or somewhere else? And I think that's where some of that confusion at least stems for me, yeah. too. It, it, it's I, I wouldn't I, say. I have a thought. Sorry, sorry to cut you off there, Doom. This would be oh, my. No, you're good. This would be my thought: is that those those space pirates are clearly not native to Zebus. They they probably came from somewhere else, whether it's a homeworld or or wherever. I am imagining that Samus, the Galactic Federation as a whole, whoever, um, first encountered them on Zebus. So to them, they are Zebesian space pirates. Would would be a logical in-world explanation for me. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, like, the in-world explanation, we could definitely, like, come up with fan theories about. The actual explanation is probably a lot simpler in that they first appeared in Super Metroid. It takes place on Zebus. 
Zabesians. That's probably right. that's probably the simple, actual, real world reason for it. And that. as we go through the history of the space pirates, we know that even if they are from originally from Zebus, they could still look different somewhere else. As we know, if you go to Metroid Prime, if those pirates are from Zebus, they look pretty different than the ones that are on Zebus because we know the pirates are constantly adjusting themselves and and modifying their bodies to adapt to their environments, which is what they did on Zebus to begin with. So naturally, it makes sense when they're on Talon or Aether or their homeworld, whatever it is, that they also look wildly different, even though they're of the same species, which I think is kind of the best way to look at it. At least that's whatever that species is called. Zabesians mm-hmm. on Zebus, whatever it is, they're like like dogs or cats. Like it's one species, but there's multiple like different kinds and variations yeah. and breeds. And, the, and then even in the organization, they have specializations, which also alter their bodies beyond just being on a different planet. So I think there's also that conglomeration of differences where that species makes up a majority of the space pirates and is also called space pirates themselves even though they're sometimes called species or wherever they're from good dog analogy yeah that, that was very good yeah that's how i've been looking at it yeah. um so anyway to, to round out zero mission we all know how it goes down samus gets shot down she crash lands on zebus she gets her suit back she destroys the pirate mothership uh, which ridley's the one who comes in on that by the way and i feel like if anyone's the leader it'd be the one coming on the mothership um and samus is able to destroy everything and get out of there on an escape ship somehow mother brain ridley craid and other pirates and metroids are able to survive all of this <laughs> and samus just uh, whatever don't worry about that um, but I would say, I mean, it's very clearly in this game, like the space pirates are firmly established right out of the gate chronologically as like the major faction that Samus has to be dealing with. All of our important enemies are going to be coming from from there. So there's Metroid NES and Zero Mission. We then jump to Metroid Prime. And wow, the amount of information that we get on them on the, the pirates across the Metroid Prime series is is staggering. The bulk of really. the, the information we have, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So again, um, Starting from the manual, which I remember reading this Metroid Prime manual, the original one. I remember that art, that like hazy tan like art of the space pirate in the background on the left, with like the like the insect looking like shot of it. I, I'll never forget reading that manual. And a lot of the stuff we lo- know about the lead into Metroid Prime and all the stuff we kind of just went into comes from that manual. So while the Zero Mission manual and Zero Mission itself says that Samus was raised on Zebus, which is true, Metroid Prime's manual outright states that the pirates orphaned Samus during their raid on the neighboring planet of K2L. Ridley and Crater mentioned as the gargantuan mainstays of the space pirate army, but not specifically as leaders. And this is what I definitely... Prime definitely... I think if any series kind of... Or like games throw the hierarchy of space pirates into whack it's the prime games yeah once i got into the prime games i was so confused on who's who's leading what and and whatever um but essentially what we learned from the beginning of metroid prime or at least before it even starts is that after the events of the original metroid the space pirates from zebus split up into two groups one group is mentioned it's actually kind of confusing because the manual says one group is mentioned to be headed to zebus specifically to begin rebuilding their ravaged facility, which is odd because they're already on Zebus, or at least they should be, and they don't have to go anywhere. Um, and uh, they're going to rebuild the facility and the fortress and Mother Brain and Ridley and Craid and whatever. Um, but it could also potentially be a separate group, and it means surviving space pirates as in just in general, because they do say headed to Zebus. And there's a lore piece that says all ground personnel are presumed dead, which is from Fall of Zebus. So 
could it possibly be from them? I'm not sure. Doom, what's up? So I could be misremembering, but I remember reading a scan on the frigate Orpheon that says that the three the three ships that escaped, Orpheon, uh, Syriacus, yes. and the other name that I Vol- can't remember Paragon. who in our group is Vol- named Paragon. after. Vol- Paragon, thank you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I believe there's a I believe there's a scan entry, not a lore entry, but like just a general scan that mentions all three of those ships escape Zebus and meet up and convene somewhere after they've lost trace of any pursuers. And so I imagine that after they convened in their secret location, one of those groups went off back to Zebus after the coast was cleared and started rebuilding while the others um, pursued the uh, phase on uh, readings they were getting to town Four. So, so here's what I was able to glean from the fall of Zebus lore piece, which I think is what you're referring to and the other information I was able to get. So there were three research frigates. So you have Orpheon, Syriacus and Volparagon. Mm-hmm. They're in orbit during in uh, of Zebus while Samus is there during the events of the original game. At some point during the events of the original Metroid and zero mission, uh, the frigates managed to retreat. They refer to this as zero hour. They all retreat from orbit, most likely because Samus is busy destroying the place and they don't want to die. Uh, the pirates put a bounty on Samus, but are otherwise convinced that she's not following them. They say there are no signs of the hunter following them. Orpheon has Metroids on board as it docks at Vortex Outpost, which we later learned is in the orbit of, of Town 4. And they begin doing all their stuff on it. What I didn't understand is Ridley somehow has to get onto Orpheon. And I don't know when that happens. I'm not sure when Ridley is able to get onto the sh- from is able to be brought from the planet of Zebus to Orpheon and then also be on Orpheon when Samus runs into the frigate outside of town before the events of Metroid Prime. That I was having a hard time piecing together. Just just so I know, so, is there any like is there any timeline like ha- how long after Metroid 1 does Metroid Prime take place? So there's two so there's two um possible explanations. So the Samus Returns website says that Metroid 2 takes place 1 year after Metroid 1. I do not buy that one. The one that I go off with is the Metroid Prime trilogy manual, specifically the trilogy manual that comes with that pack in which states that Prime takes place three years after Metroid One, which to me at least makes a lot more chronological sense. And I was gonna, and I was about to say, in that sense, if you have a three a three year gap between that, I think there's plenty of time for a research team to find Ridley's remains in Lower mm-hmm. Norfair and then and then uh, transport him back to the Orpheon. I, I think even a yeah. year is, is plausible. I mean, so well, so Prime, when Samus leaves, so Prime Three. Well, even Prime 3, that game takes place two years after Prime 1, according to the scan entries in that game. So that's another thing going against uh, oh, that. Yeah, that, that's that's uh, obviously a, a big contradiction. <laughs> but like like I would say, forget putting that aside just for a sec, even if you... Uh, but three years is even better. But like if you... The logbook, the fall of Zebus says like all personnel is presumed dead and gone, killed by Samus. Right. So so it, that, that would explain to me why the space pirates need to go back because... Nobody's left. Um, well, that, that's that's what's confusing is because it says they have to go back to known to deal with you know Zebus because no one's yeah. there. But the manual says that the survivors of Zebus split, and one goes back to Zebus and one goes to Talon. So my, how could my, the, my unless they left and then went back? Yeah, my my interpretation is that the survivors of Zebus are the people on those three ships, like the the yeah. three ships that got out. And maybe there's more. Maybe there's another couple ones that we don't know about. Those are obviously just uh, just research vessels. Maybe there were some other, you know, maybe there were some others. But 
I think the what we can discern, nobody's left on Zevis. They go back. They they eventually do get Ridley. I don't know how much time they need to to metaform him or not. But mm-hmm. you you were probably getting to this and and just cut me off if I'm jumping the shark a little bit. But it it is the the hierarchy definitely is weird because they don't really refer to Ridley as any kind of leader. Uh, no. In fact, he's I think he's just called an enforcer of the Space Pirates. And there's clearly some other kind of command that's referenced. I mean, all throughout, you know, all throughout the the Metro Prime trilogy, but very specifically in the in the Meta Ridley uh, scan as well. That says like command ordered this to happen. Now I could I could probably yeah. buy that like like Ridley's the 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 leader, the board of directors of the Space Pirates or whatever, right? And like if they were just like, oh no, our leader's dead, let's go resurrect him. I could buy that, mm. um, but it it is it is murky for sure the the way that they do that. It's definitely murky. So you have obviously science team, which is mentioned a bunch of the time or many times throughout the logbooks. Um, Gotta but then science yes, team. Gotta love science team. But then there's also the reference to security command, which in the original prime security command is also called just command. Like they'll just say command or secure mm. security command. Um, so pretty much what we learn about them is it's unclear who security command is or what it is besides that they issue an all points bulletin regarding Samus issuing that bounty I'd mentioned to take her dead or alive. They seem to have some kind of power influence because they're giving these uh, these alerts, but they're also predicting certain things about the space pirates that is giving influence to their troops, saying, like, this is gonna this part of the operation is gonna be good, etc. And they believe that. The space pirates have some court of some kind of field team. Well that's not doesn't seem to be as formal as the science team. Um, the space pirates start recognizing Chozo structures and artifacts and they start destroying those. And they even mentioned terraforming Chozo ruins as well. Obviously, they set up the research lab in Fendrana Drifts, which we know as Glacier One, as well as the phase in mines outside of that, too. Um, I thought it was interesting because the pirates mentioned that Glacier One is, is a perfect place for the Metroids because these sub-zero temperatures have made the Metroids sluggish and easy to control, even those well into phase-in-infused cycles. But they have a lot of trouble with local wildlife, as well as the actual cold itself messing with a lot of their technology. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, command is 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 mentioned a bunch of times, as you mentioned in that Meta Ridley, just the log uh, book, uh, Meta Ridley. They say Meta Ridley will become the mainstay of our security force, a job he will certainly relish. That lore, like how it's written, that lore tab is so odd because it could either mean security command is above Ridley and Ridley works for them. Mm-hmm. Or like you said, he's part of security command and they're rebuilding him. But the the wording of he will become the mainstay of our security force. Was he not already kind of part of that? Is he being promoted in a kind of way? How it's like, it's not very clear at all whether or not Ridley is a leader at all or even part of the security command or what security command kind of is. And Metroid Prime does not attempt (laughs) to clear that up one way or another. Uh, You know, another thing that sticks out to me this too, sorry, Doom, is that like they they refer to Meta Ridley almost as a uh, like like when you when you hear about Ridley you hear he's very cunning he's very smart Meta Ridley doesn't at least my interpretation when you read about Meta Ridley throughout the trilogy they mm-hmm. they it's he's more just a weapon it sounds like than than like an actual thinking uh, being and and I don't know that that's necessarily true but reading that scan that's that's certainly what it comes off like to me where it's more so just like uh something to be controlled or or a weapon to be used rather than like he's going to be the intelligent leader of our 
of our militia that we have. Right. So I never, so I never got the feeling that the games tried to depict that way. I, I see that more as like the space pirates, like almost dehumanizing it. Cause the space pirates, they don't look at each other as like individuals or people. They look at themselves as a collective. Like they don't care about, you know, all they do is experiment on each other and vie for power. They don't really have any Per, any personality beyond that they they look at each other as a means to an end and mm. so i i feel like you know they're kind of their outlook of ridley is very consistent with that which which i which i kind of like i i think I, I think it makes them a, a lot more interesting yeah um on that I, I was gonna say something before and i completely forgot so i'll just hand it back off to you dak well, i, I want to add one more thing too that i just really appreciate about mentored prime which is like yeah i think you hear the term space pirates and, and you picture this like kind of ragtag group of of people or bandits that that you know might as well turn on each other before they can actually work together like like i almost think of them as like comparable to like orcs in lord of the rings right and they have that big you know in lord of the rings had that big scene where they're all fighting each other instead of fighting the hobbits or whatever but metroid prime really had some like uh, some context and and some some three dimension to this organization and it really is like an organization like you you clearly have your research, you have your security, you have your command, like you have this this ecosystem that really makes it feel like a like a viable faction rather than just a bunch of you know just like I said ragtag Creature. creatures yeah. that that happen to be fighting under you know this this flag of the space pirates. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I really I really like that you don't really see any backstabbing in the space pirates. You definitely hear that like they're they're definitely not like not always in line. Like um like obviously during uh, Prime Three, we'll we'll get to that. There's obviously uh, a lot of stuff that happens before Dark Samus controls everyone. But even in the mm-hmm. Prime games, like you'll read entries and stuff it where you hear people complaining about com- commands like, "Oh my god, this is so stupid. Why are we doing this? It's going to blow up in our faces." But we're going to do it anyways because that's our job, you know? And so I, I really like that about the Space Pirates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at this point, we, we really get into what the Space Pirates are able to accomplish on Talon 4 as we learn more about their experimentations with the Phasen. That's where we get into Project Helix and the Elite Pirates because they're, as you mentioned, Doom, they're experimenting literally on themselves. So they continue to experiment with Phasen. They are, you know, they discover the Impact Crater. They reverse engineer Samus's arsenal, creating the Power Troopers. And they end up creating the Omega Pirate, which is the most destructive of all the elite pirates that have Phasen um, enhancements. Mm-hmm. So, and by the way, all the and what I really like about the logbooks in Metroid Prime is, uh, which kind of changes throughout the games, is all the logbooks happen before Samus ever uh, arrives on the planet. So you get a good look of like what they've been up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Prime Two, it's pretty much the same way, except the last logbook is post Samus showing up. And the Metroid Prime Three, there's a lot of stuff in there from the space. Uh, data entries that halfway through um start where metro prime 3 starts and the other half is all during the actual event of the game so you get this you get to follow along this timeline of the space pirates as their research continues uh they talk a lot about a new era of glory and dominance with their army bolstered by their new phase in elite pirates and omega pirates uh, which they mentioned will be the near indestructible backbone that should turn the tide in any engagement. So the Space Pirates really saw the Phasen as they'll literally be able to win any fight once they have this. Like, Metroid's cool. Phasen is literally going to win us and everything and, and take help us take over the galaxy. Well, they were right, by the way. Can you imagine, like, yeah. instead of, like, your regular Joe Space Pirates, you've got, like, even um, not the Omega Pirate, but the uh, the Elite Pirate, like, a couple of those suckers instead, like... 
forget about it. And that was their plan. Just throw a couple yeah. of them in the vanguard and fly and, and have the rest of the pirates. And who's going to be able to stop them? Yeah, totally. Imagine, imagine playing prime three against all those bullet spongy uh, enemies without the, um, without the hyper mode. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we do get to see more of, like you said, that, that organizational, organizational aspect of, of the space pirates, because we get to, we see how in the special forces logbook they talk about platoons of elite pirates along, alongside an army of normal and flying pirates. They use those words specifically. And throughout the game, we, we see tons of different, this is where we see the space pirates really fleshed out. You have regular space pirate troopers you have the troopers specifically who are elemental based you have flying pirates shadow pirates and then you have the elite and mutated elite pilots uh, pirates and omega pirates and then ridley so you have this whole expansion of all the different specializations Mm -hmm. uh, that the space pirates can have which really ups the ante chronologically as samus jumps into this she goes from fighting space pirates uh, you know the ragtag group kind of on zebus to what seems like a fully fleshed out organization here which is now trying to set up a second camp on a different planet yeah um another really fa- fascinating aspect of course as we know is that they're able to do experiment on inorganics which leads to project titan aka thardis which i feel like the space that's one of the craziest things to happen where they're able to literally make sentient rocks happen um and the pirates end up locking up Thardis in the quarantine cave because it's you, it can't be controlled because it's it's a, it's a pile of rocks, um, which it takes them a little while to come to that conclusion. But it's pretty phenomenal what the space pirates are actually able to manage to pull off with Phazen and their research pretty quickly. Like for all the you know space pirates can be you know maybe goofy at times or silly or you know maybe portrayed as feral or or like they're very clearly smart. And very clearly able to accomplish a lot in a small amount of time. I think that's it. Like, I, I think you just hear the word space pirate and you picture yeah. like feral and you just picture like kind of, yeah, you know, they're probably just uh, probably just, you know, a bunch of mindless uh, enemies or whatever. But yeah, like there's some there's clearly some some very smart engineers and scientists and and the like uh, working on all these all these crazy projects that they have, even if you like look at the in world um, in-world uh, universe and say like they they rebuilt their entire fortress in three years and maybe mm-hmm. even less if you believe Samus Returns. So like even that's just like a feat of very talented. Now granted, they're, the Space Pirates probably built their stuff the same way that the ancient Romans built their stuff, which was you don't have a choice to, to <laughs> work or not and you have to work for like 20 hours a day. But yeah. I, I think like even well, that... Like, very impressive. What I was going to say is we learned in Prime 3, they also have slave labor as well. But again, we'll get into that later. Yes, the militia, which are notably uh, referred to that literally as such. Um, But we will get to that. So eventually, before Samish does show up, uh, the pirates were trying to deal with the Chozo artifacts. They get really nowhere with that. They go a huge dead end. And they're like, oh, we're just going to destroy it then. Screw it. Interestingly enough, though, they end up co-opting a bunch of Chozo text and language into their own devices. The observatory is using Chozo names, but otherwise they just want to kind of destroy stuff unless they can harness power from it. As we know, the pirates just want to get rid of it. Mm. Um, And their last entry kind of talks of dealing with the Metroids and even Chozo ghosts before Samus finally arrives. Um, It is here again on Talon 4 that the pirates are again routed by Samus. Their facility is not entirely destroyed, but essentially gutted. 
Uh, she infiltrates the Phazen uh, Fendrana Drifts labs. She steals their tech, destroys their experiments. She silences the Metroid. She takes out Fardis and Project Helix, the Omega Metroids, the Elite Pirates, takes out Ridley and cracks into the uh, Impact Crater, which is something the Space Pirates were unable to do. So just like Zero Mission, Samus's Adventures and Metroid Prime are in direct conflict with the Space Pirates themselves and foiling their plans. Which brings us to Metroid Prime Hunters, where the exact opposite of that happens, and the Space Pirates are barely involved in all, at all. Um, I would even say they have no role, realistically, as an organization in Metroid Prime Hunters, and only have a single entity involved, which is obviously Weevil. So you got your six bounty hunters involved. We, the story of Metroid Prime Hunters is pretty simple. At some point after the events of Metroid Prime, a mysterious message is sent out, and it's retrieved by Galactic, the Galactic Federation, am, amongst other factions. Uh, they send that message to Samus to go check it out. And one of those other six bounty hunters who also received the message somehow is Weevil, who is a former or still current space pirate. So I know there are many uh, hunters, huge hunters fans out there. And there's one thing I know is that hunters fans are experts because there's very little information to go on. So if you know hunters, you know all the, the details. Um from from what I from my research and what I could tell from this is there's definitely a lot of inconsistency, even on the very little we know about Weevil. Um, we know from the Metroid Prime Hunters manual, which comes in the physical version of the game, of course, uh, he is a cybernetic warrior who is, quote, part of a, spe- a space pirate special unit, badly injured in a past battle with Samus Aran. Weevil's body has been reconstructed and fused with a power suit. This rebuilt Weevil has been a formidable and ferocious warrior. So at some point, Samus fought a space pirate. The space pirate was brought back as a, as a cyborg and is now doing their thing. So we know they're a space pirate, but again, do we know they're a space pirate in the sense that they're a Zabesian space pirate and that's their individual species identity, or they are still literally part of the space pirate organization? We don't know what special unit they're part of. It's just a special unit and was, you know, fought Samus in the past, but that is unclear. Um, a lot of the biggest contention comes from when did Weevil fight Samus? Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing. When did Weevil fight Samus? Because it's not entirely clear who Weevil is or what his intentions are or when he could have possibly have fought Samus, right? Uh, so there are a few sources of, of particularly, cause let's think about this before this, the only time that Samus would have fought a space pirate is obviously in the events of, of zero mission or in Metro prime, unless she fought space pirates before that the manga says she did, but like, we're not going with the manga. Um, there's a shine sparkers interview, which a lot of people will, will jump to from, uh, Richard Verardi, which is a single player and story designer, Metro prime hunters, who says that Weevil was stationed on Brinstar. And that's possible that Samus and him had their battle in the original Metroid. This is somewhat corroborated by the March 2006 issue of Nintendo Power, who says he was badly injured on Brinstar in a fight with Samus, though also says we'll remain associated with the pirates as long as it's convenient, which I kind of just felt was, was editorializing. I don't really take Nintendo Power as a canon source of anything, but that was a collaboration. A collaboration. Um, corroboration. So, oh, sorry, corroboration. <laughs> Um, specifically from that from that interview, it didn't at least seem to me that Richard Verardi was saying, and I can even pull this interview up specifically, um, what he says, because essentially what people have kind of hooked on to is that he mentions that Weevil was stationed in Brinstar, and then also uh, Samus and Weevil fought. 
But not necessarily that Samus and Weevil fought in Brinstar. Just that those right. are two separate things. So I, I will go. I will specifically say uh, bring up what he said again, courtesy of Shine Sparkers in this interview. Well, while um, you're doing that, can I ask it? So, so for fans it. have kind of latched on, like, like they're thinking that Samus and, and Weevil had like a like a one v one kind of confrontation in the past, right? Well, that was actually never my interpretation of of Weevil. I don't necessarily think one v one. Just at some point, yeah. he fought Samus as part of the space pirate forces. Like there wasn't an epic one on one. It was just right. he could have just been any random space pirate that Samus I just, just showed up I kind and of, in real quick. Yeah, right. I was about to say I kind of envisioned him as one of the hundred space pirates that got absolutely slaughtered after he got that's, the grad. That, that, inter- that was always my interpretation. I, and I, I always, honestly, I, always I don't kind of I don't he was think like Steve Rogers, but like he went to the, went to the bad way. He was like this scrawny little space pirate, and it was like, yeah, no, he was just a difference. He was just a random, essentially. Yeah. Um, at least, but but not necessarily though, because, uh, I mean, he's part of a special unit. Does that mean he was part of a special unit before he was became a cyborg, or or after? It doesn't really. It's not really uh, super clear. But in this interview, um, so Richard is asked, uh, you know, where and when did the duel between Weevil and Samus take place? So Richard says, uh, without saying too much, Weevil was stationed on Brinstar a long time ago. It is possible Samus and him had their battle in the original Metroid. Uh, so again, does not clearly specifically state that's what happened or where it happened. Uh, the follow-up was, that's a great bit of trivia. It even backs up a quote Nintendo Power once made about Weevil's origins, which is what I had mentioned earlier. Um, was it something that happened off screen or is he a specific pirate? Maybe in the Zero Mission, you know adventures or in the manga and richard says i prefer not to specify directly and let that remain a legend for those people look this up there is an early zero mission like beta screenshot of there being space pirates and brinstar but the actual final product of the game you don't encounter any there so truthfully we don't really know where weevil ended up but we can just assume that samus and weevil fought at one point weevil was brought back and now we still don't even really know what his intentions are it's not really explicitly said that go ahead I was going to say, actually, that's a really good segue. So I don't know if you saw me looking back there, but I actually have a little Metroid Prime Hunters pamphlet that has like these mini bios of the hunters. And I was just checking that while you're going over um, all that. Unfortunately, it doesn't mention anything about where he and Samus fought. But the final paragraph here mentions that uh, after he was reborn as a cyborg, Weevil must redeem himself and prove his skills are still supreme. So it sounds like... Hmm. You know, this um, what he's doing on Hunters is almost like kind of like the Arbiter, like a redemption quest kind of, you know, to prove his loyalty, to prove he's still, you know, he's got the skills. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's where is that pulled from? Where What is that? So this is uh, this is this is like a, a marketing pamphlet. I don't know. Okay. I can't remember specifically where I got it. But yeah, it's like it's official marketing materials for the game. Mm. That's the thing is that like it's hard to like parse the was this part of like something official or did like a magazine write about it and they're kind of or like a marketing thing and they're kind of using a little bit of creative liberty so to speak to you know talk about it and if you look at the the manual right um that comes from the game it, it doesn't specifically say anything other than he's just a formidable warrior but not specifically that he's like working for the space pirates i don't even think it's actually confirmed it's just assumed that the space pirates received the message and then they sent it to weevil it, it's it could be very possible that weevil got it on his own i don't think that's necessarily um mentioned there is however the original metroid.com where he's also referred to as a once powerful space pirate general 
So I don't know how official that could potentially be. Wouldn't that um, be cool if he was like the reborn Omega Pirate or reborn something like that? Like, that, would be, that would be cool. Right. That would be something you could actually sink your teeth into. You know, one, one thing really quickly, too, I just want to mention. It's it's also possible, too, that like Metroid fans digging into this, uh, you know, it's very probably we've all been on podcasts and, and mixed up our words. Like maybe maybe Richard Verotti just got it wrong. He meant to say Criterion instead of Brinstar, but couldn't remember what the area was, right? Like, well, I, that's, I thought was very interesting because I went back to the Nintendo power thing and it mentioned it said both him and the Nintendo power, um, edition say on Brinstar. Oh, okay. Which to me doesn't make much sense because Brinstar is not like, it's a place on Zebus. Here's what I think happened. I think rich, I, I think what happened is Nintendo power magazine meant Zebus. They met on Zebus, not mm-hmm. on Brinstar. And they got them confused because they don't really know that they didn't know the difference. So they mix it, mix it up. And then I th- potentially Richard might have taken it from that and took that same error. Whereas yeah. what they really meant was he was just on Zebus at the time. And somehow that got changed over to Brinstar because they keep saying on Brinstar. It's like, that's such a weird way of, of saying it. Wouldn't it be in Brinstar? Because mm-hmm. it's a place in the plague you know i don't know but then maybe on brinstar does work i don't know i think i think, I think so. your explanation is more likely but i it could also be he was stationed on brinstar but thought sam was somewhere else on the planet most likely the ship that's what i'm thinking could is be. that he might have been stationed in brinstar but then he, i mean just because you're stationed there doesn't mean you're always there he could have been mm-hmm. elsewhere at any other time I'm very either feasible. way I, I think you're right though like especially yeah. for the casual metroid fan that kind of knows metroid through smash like what do you think of when you think of smash stages you think of brinstar so like it's it's an easy if if you're a Nintendo Power writer in 2006 playing Melee, and you're like, oh, Burnstar, like, or like, yeah. oh, that's that, you know, that's the Melee stage or whatever. That's probably what that's mm-hmm. that's the planet that, that that happens on. Right. You know, that's what I saw. Like, it was someone who knows Nintendo enough to be writing for Nintendo Power, but maybe doesn't know the specific locations in every Metroid game. Yeah, it would be um, pretty insane to expect like the writers to know like the in-depth lore of every single Nintendo series you're covering. Like, yeah. Though to be fair, of all the games, you should know the lore of Metroid. I would say maybe is one of them, but I digress. Um, so that brings us to Metroid Prime 2 Echoes, which at this point, the pirates that we know of are, are definitely reeling, right? Like their fortress on Zebus has been destroyed. Their operation on Talon has been destroyed. Samus has bested Weevil, who might be one of the strongest spice pirates we know of, and is also the only playable space pirate in the Metroid series, which is very interesting. Um, and also makes sense because most of the characters are Metroid. Or our Samus, but so they're not doing great. the The glory era that they were thinking about in Metroid Prime, it's not it's not coming. It's not happening. Um, Echoes is probably the first big moment in Space Pirates history. I guess maybe from this perspective of the games, where they're playing second fiddle to a larger situation at hand. In in Metroid Prime Hunters, the Space Pirates aren't really there, other than Weevil, so I don't really count that here. The pirates are a smaller part of the Luminoth in conflict and everything that happens with Dark Samus. This is another discrepancy here, and I'm interested if y'all did some 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 research. I did not. Re- okay, well, I'm gonna. I'm, so there's an interesting on how the story happens, how it starts out for Metro Prime Two. So read out what I what I found. So according to the Metro Prime Two manual, an unnamed space pirate vessel, quote unquote, chases a Federation ship onto the surface of Aether and engages them, but they're intact by the Ing. Samus is then sent in to rescue said troops. However, at the beginning of the game, it doesn't mention the space pirates at all. It just says that there's a Federation trooper squad that's lost contact. Um, here are the last coordinates. Uh, the space pirates are actually barely mentioned outside of the manual, except that uh, outside of that mention in the manual, 
The only other time they're mentioned in it is when Samus is, might find some stuff left behind Federation troopers and space pirates. Um, according to the cutting room floor, however, there's an alternate version of that intro text, which does say that the Galactic Federation troopers were investigating space pirate activity. For whatever reason, that was removed from the final product of the game. It's unclear why that intro was changed because the early version of that text seems to line up with the space pirate logs found in game, which suggests that the space pirates found the presence of Phazen on Aether on their own and went to investigate and start an operation there. And that's when the Federation found them rather than the pirates running into a Federation ship outside of Aether and then investigating the planet. Um, But because that alternate text wasn't used, we can't really necessarily call that canon. But there is a conflict of the logbooks, what they say, versus what the manual and the intro say. Mm-hmm. The mention of an unnamed space pirate vessel chasing a Federation ship on the sur- surface of Aether seems to be in direct contrast with Federation attack, which is a logbook entry that states that instead, a Federation ship engaged a space pirate ship in orbit and then landed on Aether. That's what I remember. Well, I was going to... the Federation well, I was gonna... them. Yeah, well, I was going to extrapolate specifically, you know, when you access, you know, that that video footage, it specifically shows the Federation attacking the space pirate ship, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so that's what happens in the game. So I take that as like kind of the final word on that. Here's 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 what seems to be the correct timeline of what happens. So the pirates just in general detect Phazen on Aether, which is in a Federation-controlled section of space. They're aware of that, but they just decide to start an operation on Aether anyway. It's unclear where these space pirates come from. It's not said if they're from Talon, from Zebus, from the pirate homeworld. We don't know where they're from. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, they start their operation, and they discover Dark Aether and Phazen on it while they're being raided by the in Dark Samus. Because they're being spread thin, trying to extract the Phazen from Dark Aether while also protect them, them, protecting themselves from the Ing and Dark Samus, they ask High Command for reinforcements and resupplies. Interesting to note, in Metroid Prime 2, it's specifically called High Command in the log entries. Prime 1 refers to it as Security Command and Command. Prime 3 just says Command. Prime 2 specifically says High Command. Not sure if these are all the same thing. They probably are, but we have no idea. Anyway... So they ask High Command for reinforcements and supplies. High Command sends a ship with supplies and morphs forces, and that is the ship that is intercepted by the Federation patrol because Aether is in Federation space. Federation shoots down the pirates' transport and then heads down to Aether to investigate where they're overrun by the Shadowlings and the Ing and lose contact with Federation, and then the Federation sends Samus to investigate. That seems to be the timeline of events of how Prime 2 came to unfold. That sounds right. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't- yeah. Yeah. So, but like I said, there's a little bit of inconsistency when you read the manual, because that's how I, I, for a lot of these games, the first thing I did was go to the manual and try to refresh what that says. And then when you kind of look back and see how it actually unfolds, you can tell, like, hmm, I wonder if, like, that change, where that change happened down the pipeline. Why was the text altered? Why is the manual different? All that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, like I mentioned, High Command is mentioned specifically. Um, the pirates are very much aware of the Dasha system and that it's in Federation territory. We don't know where these pirates are specifically from. Um, there's also a reference to science team again, but also multiple science teams, only capitalizing the science. Um, anyway, so the, spy- the space pirates before Samus arrives, um, they're like, yeah, so there's totally like a class four conflict happening right now. That's how they refer to it. And uh, but we're going to we're going to we're going to stay here anyway and, ke- <laughs> and keep operating, despite the fact that there seems, to be, really yeah, seems to be a full scale war going on. doesn't matter. Um, 
Meanwhile, they learn about a rift in space-time, which is affecting Aether. High Command is like, hey, these Luminoth relics, like that dark beam thing you found, and like that that space-time rift is super interesting to us. You should keep investigating that. So they do, and they use the dark beam to access Dark Aether, which they find to be the prime source of Phazon that they've been looking for. This is where they got their readings from. They start to extract the Phazon from Dark Aether, and they start to run thin, Phasen Raids mentions that logbook that their security presence and survival gear is continually upped and High Command is continually sending them more stuff from somewhere because their resources are spread thin because they're constantly t- uh, being raided by the Ing, Darklings, Shadowlings, and Dark Samus. Um, eventually, they start running into a shadowy figure, which we we note is eventually going to be Dark Samus. Um, at first, they actually think it is Samus. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the entry, the Hunter, where they think Samus is raiding them for Phazen and only Phazen to power her new uh, dark-looking armor, which is why they end up calling her the Dark Hunter at first. But later, in the next log, Security Breach, they note that the Dark Hunter is teleporting into their base at will and is destroying them on every raid. Um, they don't have to say it, but it's very clear that they are aware that this is not the same Samus based on her behavior. But this is also where I think they realized that originally they thought the Federation had found them because Samus arrived and they're in Federation space. They then come to the conclusion this is not Samus and they note that the Federation has not yet found them. So either they don't think the Samus and Federation are affiliated, which is obviously not true, or they now realize that this is not the real Samus and thus they're still free to keep operating on Aether as long as they don't die to this dark Samus thing. Like the Federation doesn't know they're there. Not correct yet. me if I'm wrong, but correct me if I'm wrong, but th- isn't there another logbook entry where like one of the pirates actually witnesses the first Samus Dark Samus fight and like having gotten that haven't gotten there just yet, but yes, gotcha, that okay. does eventually happen. Um, so before that happens, um, they then describe the Federation attack, which is uh, the ship from High Command that gets sent in with reinforcements gets caught by the Federation patrol and gets shot down, which is what is uh, talked about earlier. Um, so that gives us our full timeline here. And yes, the pirates eventually see, uh, in the log entry two hunters, which is right after Samus lands. They're like, Hey, um, there's two of them. Uh, we're all going to die. So they're eventually so really what they're saying is like, Hey, so we're going to brace for ultimate demise here. <laughs> um, very clearly these two are working together. That's their, that's their assumption. Until they, as you mentioned, bear witness to Samus and Dark Samus fighting each other, and they see an opportunity to forge an alliance with Dark Samus. But really, they don't have much of a choice at that point. Uh, the space pirates that are on Aether are now stranded because their transport ships from High Command have been shot down. They have no reinforcements. Um, they've been constantly raided and attacked by the Ing and other possessed creatures and Dark Samus itself. They seem to have no connection to the operation on Talon or in Zebus or anything like that. And then by the time Samus arrives on Aether, much of the pirate forces that are remaining are either dead or possessed by the Ing. So they don't really have much of a choice other than to try to work with Dark Samus. And that doesn't really work out well because Samus, uh, the actual Samus comes through and and kills everybody. (laughs) So they don't really have an opportunity to capitalize on that. Again, just shows uh, wherewithal and intelligence, though, that immediately they're just like, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, mm-hmm. I really, that's one of my favorite logbook entries in, in the Metroid Prime trilogy, actually, is the Two Hunters entry. It's just, uh, it's very, it's very conniving. And, and it also foreshadows a little bit where we're eventually going to go as well. But yeah, I, I really, that one always stuck out to me as, as well. I, I always remember the title Two Hunters. I thought it 
Reminded me yeah. of a, a cool game title or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe not the alliance they had in mind, though. <laughs> oh. Certainly not. No, it ends up not planning out for the pirates very well at all. Yeah. But I mean, the events of Echoes are, again, dire straits. I mean, they are not only contending with Samus, but Dark Samus, the Ing, other Federation or other Ing possessed creatures, the Federation itself. And then they end up getting swallowed by the whole conflict to the point where the space pirates are almost kind of like a, a footnote, really, in the aftermath of Echoes before the events of prime three happen like they're kind of just they just kind of get throttled and really have no say in the matter a lot of the time they're just kind of getting it's bodied. a bad deal yeah like it's a bad deal i think the main takeaway for the space pirates is like this is the price of kind of meeting and engaging with with dark samus who as we know will will get them unlimited phase on uh or, or what we what they think is unlimited phase on anyways um yes so i mean i yeah. guess if you ask the space pirates they'd say that's worth it but yeah these these poor bastards on Aether really got the, yeah. the bad assignment you were you were talking about great logbook entries by the way and i wanted to highlight one again from the federation attack the pirates have a way with whoever writes these logbooks sometimes has a, a really great uh way with words so they're talking about um the federation attack and this is i believe just before samus arrives uh so they say another disaster the transport bringing our reinforcements and supplies has been shot down it was engaged in orbit by a Federation vessel, which has landed near the alien temple. It's only a matter of time before the Marines attack. Survivors from our ship have made their way to our base. Here we shall make our stand. Another enemy. First the Shadowlings, then the Dark Hunter, and now the Galactic Federation Marine Corps. Perhaps fate will smile upon us before the world itself opens its maw and swallows us. Damn. Like, <laughs> there's something just so great about, like, Poetic. another disaster. <laughs> yeah. Another no, one. Yeah, it's the tragic irony of, of the space pirates. They want things to go well and, and be powerful so badly, and it, and, it, and it never works out. Yeah. So that brings us to the finale of the Prime trilogy, or, or well, I guess not technically the finale, because there's actually more that happens in, in the Metric Prime series after this, but the finale. Yeah. Um, there's a lot going on with Metroid Prime 3 and the Space Pirates, and I know you two know that because you just played the game, and I still have to play it before next week's episode, but there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on with the Space Pirates here. Um, and it doesn't help that Prime 3, the manual, says nothing about the story. I don't know if y'all have gone back to the manual for Metroid Prime 3. It says nothing, mm. nothing about the story or lore whatsoever. Literally no mention of anything that's happening story-wise. It's strictly gameplay, how to use the Wii Remote and Nunchuck, how to operate the game. Nothing about the story. I was so devastated. I was so disappointed. It's all about that All about that trilogy lore pamphlet, man. I'm telling you. Well, there is that. There is that. And there also was the Metroid Prime 3 preview channel. Which, if you had that back on the Wii back in the Very day, cool. there were a lot of cool stuff on there that you could check out, and there's a lot of cool stuff in there. Um, of course, the Space Pirates love to keep diaries, so we have a bunch of Space Pirate data, which gives us uh, a good amount of information, which you can access in the Space Pirate homeworld. And speaking of which, the homeworld. The yeah. thrown into here, the Space Pirate homeworld, which I think raises more questions than it does give answers. Ultimately, well, I, I, I've always been of the opinion it's like a home world, not maybe like the home world, because I, I think like I think like really like we talked about earlier, like the space pirates are are bigger than like a planet. They're bigger than a species. They are mm -hmm. they are this this entity, really, that there's it probably makes sense that there's a few different home worlds or, or bases that they have. Um, but perhaps this is one of the most uh, important ones. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. Kind of interpreted it, interpreted it as like this is the place where like the alliance was first, you know, where the treaty was first signed, where they first kind of built their initial forces. Yeah. But it's the game. The game really, it's pretty vague on like what that actually means. So it's kind of up yeah. to your own interpretation. It, it's vague because do like is it the home world for all space pirates or just like the species we know as space pirates? Is it one of many home worlds or is it the home world? Was mm-hmm. it a planet conquered by the pirates like Zebus and it's not really where they're from and that's just where they made you know they planted their flag? It's it's very unclear. Um, from Prime Two, it kind of begs the question, you know, like I said, where did those space pirates come from? The ones that ended up on Aether, the ones that High Command was trying to send reinforcements with. Were they from Talon? Are they from Zebus? Are they from this pirate homeworld? So a lot of that stuff remains pretty unclear. But at this point, like you said, Annie, I think it's pretty clear that the larger space pirate organization is vast. Yeah. It's run by High Command, Security Command, Command, whatever that conglomeration is. And it has operations on multiple planets and can send reinforcements from elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And then you have the actual species itself, which changes depending on what planet they're on, what specialization they are, who's sending them, etc. I mean, in Prime 3, just the amount, the, the quantity of different pirates you end up running into. Oh, is, my God. You have arrow troopers, advanced arrow troopers, pilot militia, pirate militia, uh, shielded, shielded militia, uh, shielded troopers, assault arrow troopers. You have berserker knights, berserker lords, pirate commanders, commando pirates, pirate hussars. You have the the, the basic <laughs> the, pirate the troopers. The assault skiff, the uh, it, it's it's crazy. Phase like commandos. <laughs> berserkers a a crazy amount which makes sense because we're kind of we're in um within range of the pirate homeworld and i think that was what they were intending is like Mm -hmm. giving us more in-depth look at the pirates as we've seen them so far i want to show Um, out a specific creature which which maybe you had this written down but it's it's a very uh odd kind of anecdote where uh the the pirate homeworld I, I was doing some research when I was making the the Metroid Prime Three walkthrough, and I was I was referencing uh, fandom as well. And like, there's a couple there's a couple scans that didn't make it into the game that actually named yeah. this planet. And the planet's yes. name is I might butcher this. You have to correct me if I get it wrong. But um, Ertragia. Ert. Yeah. So you I know it starts with Ertragia. Yeah. And there's a. It makes. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say it makes sense because there's like a shriek bat that's like yes, full traggy and shriek that's bat. There's a shriek so, bat. Yeah. Yes. So, so all and, of the references are are removed except for the Ertragian shriek bat. Yes, and and I believe in other translations of the game, like in the Japanese version, for example, the planet is named, and it's not called mm-hmm. the Space Pirate Homeworld. It's called that name, or it's called Planet SN two o two four, whatever it is. Um, and then you have the Metroid Prime trilogy art book. Or it's either that artwork or the Prime Three one, where it says that the homeworld is one of many space pirate homeworlds. Right. It is not mm. the homeworld, but that's also not from the game. But it's also an official source, so that's again something that the game doesn't necessarily support or deny necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, Doom, you were talking about a, a specific um, way of describing the pirate, pirate militia, and. <laughs> That is what happens here in Prime 3. The pirate militia are described as, quote, slaves and criminals, end quote, who do not receive phase and enhancements and are obedient to the upper cla- upper caste of the pirate military. Apparently, it's rumored that some of the army troopers will eat the disobedient militia members. Um, then we also have entries like the armored p- pirate militia who are described as mostly inept soldiers who have yet to die yeah. in combat, <laughs> which is a great line. Dang. Um, 
there's also a number of scans that continue to refer to the space pirate military or army. And I think a lot of these scans, uh, both creature scans and also the logbooks, it's a lot more clear. But a lot of these creature scans, it's unclear if whether or not it's in the context of the army um, after Dark Samus has taken control or before that. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the pirate commander scan, it talks about how they rise to the ruling cast of the pirate homeworld um, after having been a commando for at least 10 years, which is obviously much longer than when Dark Samus has corrupted the space pirate army. It's before um, Zero Mission, in fact. Yeah, so so some of those commanders you were fighting would literally been in the Space Pirate Army since before the games had started. Obviously, we'd have to imagine that means the Space Pirates as a whole organization and not when Dark Samus gets involved. Even though it's mentioned many times that Dark Samus brings a level of organization to the Pirates that has not been seen prior. Multiple times it is mentioned throughout Prime 3. Um, can, I add, can I add one more cool detail about the it. Pirate Militia? Yeah, yeah. So there's a, there's a creature that you can scan... Um, it's like in this um, sewage room right before you meet Admiral Dane and you do the Galactic Federation assault. I can't remember the name of them, but um, you scan the creature and it mentions that they're a common food source of like the pirate militia because that's literally all they can access there because they're basically starved down there. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was a, a neat little world building detail. Yeah, no, I really like that. I loved all the different details you got of like the levels of space pirates because you didn't really get that in the prior games. It seemed like all the different like specializations, unless you were like a shadow trooper or something like that, which is like a like a elite level. Like everyone mm. seemed to kind of be on the same level of of like peerness, you know, so to speak. Like it didn't seem like there were like in Prime One there wasn't a description yeah. aside from maybe some unfortunate experimental test subjects that like yeah. you, these you space pirates had... over here eat dirt and these ones eat yeah. ice, you know, like <laughs> Yeah, you, you, you kinda had stuff in Echoes with like pirate troopers and then the pirate commanders, but like yeah. in Prime Three they go well above that well even like prime two it's that more mostly seems like just more specialization like you have the commandos which are just pretty much like trained to take out samus specifically which i think are based on them trying to take out dark samus initially because they thought it was samus at first right um but yeah in prime three they start to like they're talking about ruling caste and like casts of society which is not something that's mentioned previously um so the story of pirates of the pirates and corruption um we get it through the logbooks. Again, as I mentioned, half the logbook entries, at least like the space pirate data, happens before the events of Prime 3. And then it starts going through the actual events of Prime 3. You can see the space pirates talking about hoping like Rundus is going to beat Samus, hoping Gondreda is going to beat Samus. Mm-hmm. I think their last entry is like yelling, yelling into the void like, <laughs> she, please, to beast Peter, please. Um, we also get some cool insight, as I mentioned, from the Metro Prime 3 Corruption preview channel. Um, which gives us a little bit of information uh, about how the attack on the GFS Valhalla happened, which is noted for how ruthless and bloodthirsty the pirate attack on the ship was and how it wasn't normal um, for their usual raid because they didn't take what they normally did. Uh, One thing I thought was really interesting is that they mentioned that the pirates had never directly engaged with a Galactic Federation ship of that size and stature before, which to me says that if that's the case, then whatever offensive the federation mounted on zebus the first time and the pirates repelled was not even as big as what they're taking on now which i thought was pretty interesting the scaling of that well they, they one of the pirate like logs the, the, the gfs olympus is like a state-of-the-art like uh, yeah like vessel um mm-hmm. so i'm imagining that they just just created them like very shortly mm-hmm. before metric prime 3 corruption but i mean the prize is is worth the risk like they it almost it almost would have been better to me if like Metroid Prime Three would have taken place before 
the original Metroid, because on that preview channel, I'll never forget watching them describing the Aurora units, and then there was a video, but and it was the exact same room as Torian, and it looks so cool. It's, it's yep, yep. And I was Talk like, more about that uh, on uh, next week's episode, because I definitely have some yeah. thoughts on that. I, <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love that. that. I'll never <laughs> forget that. I wish, like, to me, I was just like, that's, that's Mother Brain, wow! And, and like, yep. just, uh, the timeline obviously doesn't match up for that, though, but it would have been really cool if they managed to steal it before, and then build Mother Brain, assuming, <laughs> you know, what they know based off of the of the Aurora units, so yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I was, so, I was gonna say, like, one of the um, one of the pirate logs, uh, mentioned uh, there's a few mentioning the Valhalla attack, but there's one in specific where it's coming from kind of the narrator who's doing all the pirate homeworld logs. Uh, I assume that he was present on the raid, but basically, uh, whoever they are, they state that the aftermath of the attack, they specifically didn't blow the ship up because they wanted to leave it as like a warning sign to the Federation, like, no, this is the start of what's to come. Like, mm-hmm. you guys are going down. Loved it. Loved it. I love I loved the, the stakes were raised. And we learn a lot more about, like, how that all comes to be, how the space pirates end up becoming part of Dark Samus's army, both through the logbook, but also through one of those uh, preview channel videos we get, which I watched in 240p on YouTube, yes. and I can t- wow. The yes. there were twelve pixels in total, I think. But it was such a it was such like a I was like, wow, I like I something I had never seen. You remember seen. those twelve pixels though. Yeah, that it was crazy. I was like, oh my it's not like it was like a core on uh, memory was unlocked. Because I always remembered like the original trailer they showed and like like you said, the Aurora unit thing that you'd mm. mentioned, Andy, but that part I was like, I completely forgot about this. So here's what happens. Space pirate ship Colossus is is existing. The crew of the ship determines that um, they need to go and secure the phasing that's been left on Aether for command or high command, or they're going to die trying. They're going to they're going to hero mode this. The Federation is busy cleaning up on Aether because Samus just like left. Literally what? <laughs> just leaves. So the Federation's like, we got to like clean up. So they do that. They go and they try to clean things up, but they still leave a lot of phasing behind the space pirates on the uh, specifically on the crew of the ship Colossus, like, hey, hey, we should go and take care of that. So the crew uh, goes to try to intercept the Federation ship, and they fail. But they're like, hey, look at all this phasing that's left behind. We're going to load it up on the Colossus and take this with us. This is great. Mm-hmm. In doing so, somehow, Dark Samus has survived the events of Metroid Prime 2 and, like, stows away in the phasing that they're loading onto the Colossus. Love it. She, it, yeah, so she, like, they load it on there. She's in the phasing. The ship takes off or whatever, and now she's on the ship. Dark Samus obviously breaks free of the phase, and she starts to consume all of it. She kills, I believe, a third of the crew, and then starts to brainwash the survivors. If you're reading through the Space Pirate data, by the third logbook entry, the entirety of the Colossus crew has been brainwashed. Um, I believe the, the entry before that, whoever's writing it, is like, yeah, like everyone's getting brainwashed. Like Those of us remaining who are still of our own consciousness are... W- vastly reduced in numbers and it's only a matter of time before she comes for us and by the next century that's exactly what has happened and all the other logbooks after that are the space pirates completely uh brainwashed completely under the control of dark samus praising her doing all this stuff for her um and it's actually interesting to see that shift in the writing going from them being conscious of their own volition and then becoming under the control of dark samus 
more about this next week, but like these are like easily my favorite logbook entries mm-hmm. of Prime Three. I love like the little mini story being told and like how you actually yeah. see the narrator. I love that shift between the second and third entry where you go from like scared lifeless to like completely mind controlled and like fully like you know, fully like on board, you know, the dark Samus mm-hmm. cult. Like I just I, I love how the tone shifts, the writing shifts. And I, I especially um We'll go into this in a bit. I love the perspective when they attack their own homeworld later and how they refer to the people that haven't been corrupted on the homeworld. Like, oh, we used to be like those losers down there, but yep. soon, soon you guys will learn. Uh, like, they're just like, non-believers will be shot. Like, they say that verbatim and it's like, oh, wow. So, I yeah, I love the fact that like, you almost you almost feel a smidge of sympathy for the space pirates in this uh, particular scenario here. Not not mm-hmm. quite, but because uh, they were definitely asking for it. But yeah, it seems like a pretty intense. And and again, just you know, after they just got bodied on Aether, and and they think that they have this great takeaway meeting mm-hmm. this enemy of Samus, but when in fact that you know this this enemy's pretty much doomed their whole planet since I. I don't think Prime 3 specifically says what happens to the pirate homeworld after the fact, but, I mean, it's been destroyed by the seed. It was sieged by the Federation. It Things yeah. can't be looking good right there. So, really, uh, you know, in in a, in a weird roundabout way, like, Dark Samus did as much, if not more damage than Samus did to the Space Pirate yeah. organization, well, to be, which is apropos. At the end of Prime... Th- well, to be uh, yeah. fair, at the end of Prime 3, like, all the Phazon gets, like, Phantom Menace out of existence, so I assume it's off the pirate homeworld at this point, at least as it far as we're It should be, aware. but the Federation is definitely in control of the homeworld, so I'm certain that if any pirates yeah. are left on it, they're not having a good time, like, no. you know, so I agree no, with that. No. Um, I think the fascinating takeaway from this, too, is that the Colossus is such a big crew that, at least from the outset of, like, the invasion of Norian, Dark Samus essentially gains an entire army of space pirates by converting the Colossus crew. Like, that's how many space pirates are, are there which again reinforces the there have to be tons of space pirates out there because where are they coming from and why are there still so many um so at this point this is where i kind of figure out like the space pirates as a whole have to be doing one of three things if you are a space pirate in the organization you are either currently brainwashed by dark samus as part of the colossus crew or two you are on zebus rebuilding after the events of zero mission or mm. three you are somewhere else. There has to be a third category of space pirates that are off on other operations that we're unaware of. Um, because That's we why can't. I think galaxy. Like the homeworld is like a homeworld. Yeah. Like there, there's got to be more. Because you can't account, I don't think, for where all the space pirates could possibly be. No. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big galaxy. Yeah. Literally and, unlimited possibilities. But there's also kind of the wrench that ridley is thrown into this and this also kind of goes back to where's ridley's position in command because ridley is also brainwashed by dark samus and there's not really an explanation for that because the last time we saw him he was defeated on talon 4 and presumably came back somehow by the space pirates so how he gets involved he wasn't a member of the colossus crew so as we know he might have been imagine he was stationed on the planet when the colossus attacked their own planet that's kind of my assumption but the game i don't think the game specifically says if he was there or not yeah so it's kind of i thought it was interesting because if like if ridley is an important part like let's say ridley is a member of command command does not seem to prioritize trying to get ridley unbrainwashed from mm-hmm. dark samus command actually has almost no presence in in prime three except for i think one mention um 
So if Sam, so if Ridley is part of command, they have no prioritization of trying to get him unbrainwashed. And if he isn't, well, then that kind of makes sense because okay, he becomes he just he's another pawn that's being used by the space pirates. He gets used by Dark Samus. Is it really a huge deal? Um, and even in Dark Samus's army, he also just becomes another pawn. He's just another general alongside the other hunters and whoever else is in the army that's not a regular space pirate. Um, so there's that where like where does command come into where is actually Ridley figure into this? Because, you know, prior in like the zero mission manual, he's the leader. You know, I have some uh, theories about Ridley, but I want to save it till we get to the appropriate game. Right. Um, so it's interesting again, where Ridley's kind of uh, place in this the, uh, falls or doesn't fall either way. The crew of the Colossus uh, become part of dark Samus's army. Again, I don't think it's, she's not in control of all of the pirates. For sure. Um, but through the logs, we see the Colossus crew is brainwashed. They retrofit a new re- Dreadnought for Dark Samus to use. Um, and then they help her uh, send Phazen seeds out into the galaxy because they help her get an Aurora unit from the GFS Valhalla, which she is then able to use to insert into Phase, which gives her the ability to aim where Phazen seeds will be shot out from Phase rather than just being sent out apparently mm-hmm. at random. Um so cool plan cool yeah once you break it down that way i'm like all right well yeah no wonder the space pirates are working so efficiently they got a great leader that's a hell of a plan honestly like yeah i mean the fact that it works like hey i'm gonna take this organic computer and shove it into a planet and that i'll be able to aim the planet wherever i want and it works um we see in the logbook space uh, pirate data entry purification that a seed is sent to, quote, our homeworld, is what is said, and begins to possess all of the pirates there, which is the logbook that Doom you were alluding to earlier, which again calls into question, is this the homeworld for all the pirates? Or maybe is it the homeworld just for the pirates of this crew and maybe some others, but like this is where this crew is particularly from. It's their homeworld from their perspective. Um so there's also there's also that. I've also been thinking about the unreliable narrator as well. All these logbooks are being written by the perspective of presumably maybe one space pirate individual. We have no idea how much information they're privy to, how much information they have of other operations the space pirates are, are conducting. Mm-hmm. So we're getting a lot of this information from, I think, a potentially unreliable narrator that might not necessarily be telling us what the actuality of the space pirate situation is when they talk about our homeworld or the space pirates that are involved versus the whole organization and whatnot. And a completely indoctrinated um, narrator as well. Exactly. And then, yeah. and then literally he literally becomes an, or he, whoever they literally becomes an unreliable narrator when they're actually, um, you know, possessed. So there's always that. Um, and as I mentioned throughout the logbooks, they eventually track Samus's progress as she takes out the other hunters in the phase and seed. As we mentioned, the last logbook, um, I think fittingly is them just like praying Gondreda does something about this and presents Samus's bloody helmet to Dark Samus as tribute. There's some awesome lines in these locks. Like Some great lines. Whoever was writing the lore oh scans was in their bag for some of these. They're like, Nintendo's not reading these. Like, we're, <laughs> they're not reading it. Like, let's put something in here. Um so in the end, Samus and the Federation are ultimately victorious. Dark Samus and Aurora 313 are defeated. And the huge space pirate fleet is uh, that they're in battle with is destroyed. The pirate homeworld we know of is under control of the Federation. And Phazen is all gone, so the pirates can't use it. So they're totally right. defeated. As far as we know, this section of the pirates, are at least, are totally defeated. 
the Zebus ones are presumably still fine, and there could still be more elsewhere in the galaxy. But at least yeah. this this contingency of the pirates seems to be uh, done for. That that makes sense to me. Like like in my in my head, I feel like there's. Uh, if I were to divide to divide the space pirate pie, let's just say, I'd say your your Zebus is like at least half the pie, and like they were on Metroid, they immediately started rebuilding uh, the, for the events of Super Metroid, and maybe maybe like twenty five percent of that pie is the, the pirate homeworld pie, and maybe twenty five percent are just unaccounted for or doing other stuff. Like it's a big faction, but I don't think it's like the only main faction. Well. Because that brings us to Metroid Federation for Metroid Prime Federation Force, which, as we learned, there are space pirates active in the Bermuda system, yeah. which is where this game takes place. So, after the total defeat of the space pirates, as far as we do in Prime Three, we kind of know, as we said, that's not entirely true because the Metroid Prime menu, as you said, the space pirates should still be around on Zebus, and then as we learned, Federation Force, the space pirates apparently have been in the Bermuda system this whole time as well. So, I think at this point we can kind of. Like there, there could be any system you could run into where the space pirates might potentially be there. I actually thought it was interesting that the Federation doesn't ever check this place out. They send this Federation force on a training mission to the Bermuda system and doesn't like send a drone or a scout first to see if there's any space pirates there, especially after just fighting a huge army of them in a huge <laughs> fight. They don't go and like they don't go and scout out some space pirates and go and check out places. They're like, oh, this is fine. Um, but I think at this point, like the space pirates as a whole should still they should still exist in some capacity as an organization, even after the events of Prime 3. Um, there was a Q&A in 2004 on the Metroid Prime 2 um, official Japanese site where Sakamoto and some of the development team had answered questions about Prime 2 and Metroid in general. And someone had, and this, by the way, was translated, I believe, by Metroid Database and Shinesparkers at different times. So shout outs to them. Um, someone had asked, like, how many space pirates are out there? Like, what kind of po fighting power did they have? What was the extent of their conquering the galaxy? And the answer was, if they were only able to defeat the Galactic Federation and Samus, then their space conquest would be finished. Since they have troops scattered around in various places, it's hard to quantify their numbers and strength. Mm -hmm. My question, are you sure that Sakamoto was involved in this interview? Because he I'm, doesn't I mean, usually... I'm not 100% sure. I was going to say, because he doesn't usually, like, comment on, like, the Prime games. That's usually Tanabe-san that usually has more of a word on those from... From what Japanese I read, it team. said uh, Yoshio Sakamoto and the development team answered questions. It does okay. Also, in the questions, it doesn't say who specifically is answering them from the team. It just says question-answer. Very uh, okay. well could be anyone on the team and not Sakamoto whatsoever. So I would gotcha. take that with a grain of salt, and I that's as far as I know. Um. Anyway... So if you haven't played Federation Force, which might be many of you, long story short, apparently there's enough, enough space pirates in another star system in the galaxy. Don't worry about that. Bermuda system. And they're going to mount another offensive against the Galactic Federation because that's what they do. Um, the space pirates plan to attack the Galactic Federation using the Doomsai, Doomsai, which is a weapon that apparently wasn't important enough to use at any time previous. It's, um, a, it's a, lot it's... Less, a lot less cool than uh, the Doom series. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Yes, it is. But it is actually, for the game, probably one of the cooler things in the game. Reminds um, me of Goldeneye. You know, that, that was a cool weapon. Uh, yeah. You know, cool weapon. The, gold, the, gold, the golden gun? The, the literal golden eye, like, from... from oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, well, apparently this weapon is so nice that it can obliterate the Galactic Federation HQ without being detected. Again. That's sweet. Why we're Good saving job. this for Federation Force? I don't know. Also, apparently, they're able to capture Samus after the events of Prime 3. 
this. <laughs> so after the space pirates get literally obliterated again, like at this point they've lost multiple. Ridley has lost four times. The space pirates have been operations have been destroyed on multiple planets, and yet after just losing to Samus, this Bermuda system coalition of space pirates is so nice with it that uh, they not only have a doomsday device, but they literally capture Samus somehow. Which just happens off screen. To put this in context, okay, for any wrestling fans, this is like the NWO B team destroying Bill Goldberg in 1998. It's just insane to think. And the most insane that we talked about this on one of our very, very first episodes. And I hated it then. I hate it now. It doesn't make any sense. But, like, yes. So somehow these guys happen to catch Samus. And, like, they they just in, enslave her, turn her into a big ball. And it's like... I'm sorry, man. If if you I were master the space brains, like if if you had the accursed hunter who we have just sat through an entire trilogy plus with them with space pirates just saying like how much of a thorn and how much destruction this one person brings to their organization, like should we not maybe just eliminate this person? Just throw her into the sun real quick. <laughs> I mean, like. This seems like a good person I, to test the Dooms Aeon, like or Dooms Aeon, whatever it is. I hate this more than the entire the entirety of other M's it, lore. It I, I hate this yeah. so much. <laughs> I, I, it's not good. It's definitely not good. It, honestly, I'll even I'll up the ante for you, Andy. It's not the NWO B team beating Goldberg. It's the camera cutting to them already having beaten Goldberg. You don't get to see the match. Yeah, yeah that's true. It, the camera cuts and they're standing over him and someone's holding a sign saying 169 and, and one. Like and they could pin him to win the world title, <laughs> but instead they're strutting around, like just doing a couple yeah. of these. And it's like, yeah. Hello. This is nonsense. This, no. this, at, at this point when I, cause I knew like, okay, like other M's going to happen. Fusion's going to happen, blah, blah. This is where I realized the fed, like, the 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 Galactic Federation is so dumb, <laughs> so incompetent. <laughs> like Metroid is like has, is such a good lesson of like the incompetency of large bureaucracy bureaucracies and governments. Hundred percent. Because let's 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 think about this. Right after the events of of the original Metroid, why doesn't the why doesn't the Galactic Federation leave a force on Zebus to make sure there are no pirates there? It's a hundred percent cleared out, and they can't rebuild. How is it that they let the, a pirate operation operate on Aether for so long without being detected, despite the pirates themselves detecting Phazon on Aether, which is why they went there in the first place? Which implies the Federation was either not scanning for Phazon in their own systems, or does not have the same technology the space pirates did to do so. And then why would they have no presence or idea of the presence of the pirates in the Bermuda system? Would they not be checking everywhere in the galaxy for them, especially at the events of the Prime Trilogy? Especially if you're going to send a bunch of Federation troopers on a training mission to why would so... Well, we're Crazy. going we're it's going tough. into that whole Phazon thing. <laughs> going into that whole Phazon thing. The Federation doesn't even take an interest in Phazon until no. Prime Three, because until then it's like, ah, uh, you know, a threat. Samus took care of it. Sure, whatever. And then they actually see what it does in Prime Three, and they're like, oh, actually, we can use this. Well, this is uh, actually on, really on, good on, stuff. Let, let's be let's let's be a little bit fair, and and I could be I could be wrong actually. So correct me if I am, but like I I don't believe that the Galactic Federation finds out about Phazon in Metroid Prime 1, and I don't think that they find out until that ship lands in Metroid Prime 2, which we obviously know those guys don't make it back. So, like, if they don't learn about Phazon 
right away. Well, those are when Samus like that. when Samus reports back, they would learn about it. I mean, yeah, but that ship does get away yeah. because the, because the pirates mentioned that they were unable to intercept the ship, but then they realize there's phase and left on the planet, so that's why they go back to to get it. So that ship does get away. So presumably that ship should have let the rest of the Federation know and should have had phase in with them. Now, you're you're not wrong. Ne- yep. Neither of you are wrong. I'm, just, I'm trying to throw him a bone. The Zebus thing is yeah. unforgivable. Like that's that's a big. Unless yeah. it, unless they thought that planet was so destroyed after Samus went there that well, that's the implication in the manga that they don't resend yeah. anyone there because they've already been defeated on the planet. But even that is such a a, a thin uh, reason to not like leave a couple people there. You know, like station a couple troops. We defeated Ridley you know, four yeah. times. Surely he's surely he's gone for good this time, right? But even no, yes. But even after the original, <laughs> right after the events of Met- of Metroid, they should have left someone there. Mm-hmm. I digress. Yeah, they, I guess they, they finally learned. They finally they learned their lesson by Prime Three, I guess, when they uh, took over the home world. Yeah, awesome that's scene. true. Awesome scene. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, luckily the space pirates in in a lot of ways are just as dumb. You know, like they had Samus, they could have they could have ended her. They didn't do it, and uh, you know she basically destroyed they all of them after. They could have finally learned how the morph ball works. Yeah, yeah. Well, all they had to do is watch the Metro Prime Three preview channel because it would have told them how the morph ball works. I mean, they, they got it right. Pattern. They turned her into the Master Ball, right? Uh, they, they. That's true. They do. They do use Master Brain yeah. to turn her into oh, a Master big morph Brain. Ball. I'm sorry, Master Brain. Yeah. Um, Yikes. So this brings us to. Uh, Metroid 2 Return of Samus and Samus Returns. So at this point, the the space pirates that we know of have been thoroughly decimated, apparently. But their legacy has had a profound effect on the Galactic Federation. I mean, they did so much damage both through Phazen and through the use of the Metroids that the Federation is like, all right, we got to go to SR388. We got to destroy all these Metroids because if the space pirates get their hands on them again, they're going to come back and we're Mm going to have to do all this again. What I thought was really interesting is... um, According to the Return of Samus manual, the Federation makes three attempts at SR388 before finally sending Samus. Whereas in Samus Returns, as we know, there's just one operation. They send Federation troopers there to go check it out. After now going through Federation Force, I thought, why didn't they send the Federation Force to SR388? Why did they send these random troopers? Because if you look at the Federation Force, uh, they're low-key one of the strongest teams of individuals in the metroid series considering what they accomplished they take out ev- they take out a space pirate doomsday device they eliminate all of the space pirates it said in the bermuda system all of them literally all of them and save samus and make it out alive i would be calling yeah. them I, I they, they can't samus fit through the doors they, they can't fit through the doors that's, that's why. true they can't fit they can't fit um but i was thinking i was like they should have just sent they're too big the, the, they're too big for smash the federation force um but anyway, so as we know, in Return of Samus and Samus Returns, the Space Pirates don't really have much of a presence at all. As far as we know, they are still rebuilding on Zebus, and everyone's kind of letting them do that. Uh, for whatever reason, the Federation does not check up on that and lets them do it. And essentially, in that way, the Space Pirates very luckily get an opportunity to get back in the game by the Federation by being allowed to rebuild on Zebus this whole time. Uh, they only really bring us back to... Uh, Ridley, who's the only space pirate presence in Metroid 2, specifically in Samus Returns. Spoilers if you haven't played that yet. <laughs> uh, following the events of Prime 3, Ridley is able to break free of Samus, or Dark Samus's control, because Fam- Phazen is rendered inert, and he's able to begin to heal himself, because that's what Ridley does after games. Yeah. Um, by the end of Metroid Prime 3, he's still, even though he's Omega Ridley, he's still pretty, like, 75% Meta Ridley. 
And by the time he gets to when we see him in Prime 2, he is losing more and more of his cybernetic implants and whatnot. So by the time we get to Super, he's fully organic again. Um, at this point, again, it's it's unclear where Ridley fits into this. Like, was he sent by command, high command, security command to go to SR388? Was it his order to do that? Um, I mean, there really is an opportunity for Samus Returns to mention Ridley's position at this point, but it does make uh, no mention. But obviously, this con- continuity is important because, as we know, this ties Ridley to the beginning of Super Metroid. He knows where to follow Samus to to get the infant Metroid, and it, of course, ties the 2D metrics to the prime series, as we see Ridley show up still reeling from the events of the prime series and still being partially meta Ridley, AKA Proteus Ridley, and then transitioning into the Ridley we know in super Metroid. Otherwise the space pirates involvement is entirely re- directly tied directly to that retcon of Ridley uh, being there, which then brings us to super Metroid. Though I will note that the intro of Su- Samus returns mentions that mother brain is the leader of the space pirates here. So once you're we right. shift back, yeah, you're right. so it, do, it does mention that. So this is where the 2D Metroids now conflict with each other, Zero Mission and Samus Returns specifically, which brings us to Super Metroid, the chronological last stand of the true actual space pirates that we know of and as we know them in the Metroid series so far. Um, obviously, Ridley attacks Ceres to get the last Metroid. He retreats back to Zebus, where Samus finds the space pirates have indeed rebuilt their fortress and have already begun breeding Metroids. And we find out, specifically in the Super Metroid manual, uh, we get a little more, m- bit more uh, insight into the breeding uh, program, where in Zero Mission, we just learned that they're exposed to beta rays. We learn that a few seconds of beta ray exposure can multiply a Metroid to two or even four individual Metroids. So it's no surprise that the space pirates are very quickly able to ramp up their breeding program with that information in check. Mm-hmm. Um, in the manual of Sp- Super Metroid, it is interesting that they mention them as just Zabesian, capitalized Zabesian, and then lowercase space pirates in that. Um, Ridley is once again referred to as the leader of the space pirates in the Super Metroid manual, but it's unclear if it's the leader of the Space Pirates in general or the Space Pirates just on Zebus. Again, that is not entirely clear. And Space Pirates is not formal. It's uncapitalized. Um, this I, is I have a we, thought about Ridley. I'm just going to say it here because I don't know. Go for it. I'm assuming we're, not really, we're not really covering anything beyond Super, right? Um, I have a few things, but okay. I mean, I'm on, I'm on page 25 of 29, if that okay. gives you some... <laughs> some context <laughs> you know i and i think this would be a fascinating subject for a metroid game to explore one day i you know the, as you read this like uh, like obviously there's the real world context to just having a consistent character and mm-hmm. enemy appear in the games but like in the in-world universe I, i'm not convinced that like it's the same ridley in every game i'm really not like especially mm-hmm. from what we know about other m and how i know everyone hates it but how you can kind of clone and, and watch this ridley being evolved like it kind of the way that they refer to ridley as like an enforcer or a leader or a you know you've got this one in zebus but this one on the home world and they're not really concerned about about ridley uh you know being being um indoctrinated it's like is there more than one of these things is there more like are they able to make like maybe ridley at at will and like maybe that's the species like I don't know. That could be a fascinating subject for for one day, or maybe that could not. Be, like, that could be a that could be a retcon in the future, maybe. But as maybe. of right now, I just I think it's just you know some inconsistencies that 
no one really caught and we're just kind of overthinking it. Well, I mean, okay. like, but like you have the opportunity. You're probably right. right. I know you're right, actually, because like, who, you know, when they when they laid out the first Metroid game, they were thinking about the in-world lore of Ridley yeah. the Space Pirate and that hierarchy. And they probably weren't thinking about that very much in, in the, most of the games that they did. But like you do have kind of a cool opportunity to to weave that into an engaging story. Like, I don't know if you guys are Batman fans, but they did kind of a, a story a couple years ago where they did. The, there was three Jokers that actually made up one Joker that, that everyone thought was like the same guy. And it was kind of a cool like little story. And, and yeah. I think that there could be potential. And I know that story wouldn't be for everybody. Uh, you could make an argument that that would dilute Ridley the character. And I don't necessarily think you'd be wrong. But, I, you know, I, I think that there could be something there anyways worth exploring. Yeah, I 100% agree. I've always found like the mystique and mystery of what Ridley really is is like, a curtain I don't want to see behind almost. Yeah. Especially because so many other things have kind of been taken away. The mystique of like what happened with other M infusion, even the Chozo now, like there are so, there are so few things left in Metroid that like, haven't been kind of revealed at this point where I'm like, ah, just keep that sacred. And I've also kind of felt that with other M, like this is just like headcanon that like the Ridley we see in that is like Ridley DNA mixed with something else. I, that yeah, gives it I that Pokemon so. quality because there's so much nonsense happening on the bottle ship. I'm sure tons of stuff got mixed together, but there's no way to confirm that. You could be very right. That's exactly how Ridley's are and, and whatnot. But I, I was always of the opinion that the Ridley that we saw in Other M, and I may like I, one thing I plug it again, I did the Spateria cut rewrite of Other M. And in that, I was like, I was very specific to mention, like, this is a clone of Ridley. This isn't Ridley mm-hmm. as you know him. This is a clone. And I think that I've always thought of that as like another. Just not yeah. Ridley. That's not how Ridley was created. But maybe yeah. it could be. I don't know. I I just like the finality of like what Super Metroid does for Ridley and specifically like I do too. Ridley's dead there. Yeah. And if you're gonna bring him back, you can bring him back. But it's not the same Ridley, and there are gonna be stark differences, and that's something you're gonna have to play with. And I like that. So. Yeah, I, I love. I, th- I think. Space sorry, Pirates Doom, were you Super Metroid. Yeah, I'm sorry, Doom. Go ahead. I'll keep on talking over you. I was I wasn't saying anything. It's hard because you have two mics. <laughs> yeah. You have a headset mic, and then you have your regular desktop mic. And I'm always unsure of like, is he about to talk into that one or that one? Anyway, Eddie, go ahead. Uh, this so- one, this one's just for show. This one's just for show. This is the one I'm talking into. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I, I, I really, I really love the presentation of, of Ridley in Super Metroid. He he feels yeah. like the most like he feels like an enforcer, but a leader. Like at the opening salvo, like Ridley, you know the you know the old adage like show don't tell. Like he he seems like. He's the one storming this. He gets what, stuff done. Yeah, he, he He's gets the Darth Vader. He gets this this baby Metroid out. This has got to be the most important mission in the history of the space pirates at this point. Like it's literally probably their hail mary, uh, because they're they're yeah. reeling after all of these attacks and like this this mission has to get done. And so I you could just you could almost just picture Ridley being like uh, Thanos sitting it and being like I guess I got to do it myself and and go in and, and get yeah. this baby Metroid. Um, and then like the the build up to that to that fight and it it's it's so good um and yeah i, I do think that there's like a, a a finality to super metroid that i that i do like and i respect fusion and uh and dread for for kind of honoring that not not just mm-hmm. saying like ah you know what Here, here's ridley again and like i know that you fight ridley in fusion but it's a creative way to bring him back while yeah, acknowledging exactly. that he's that he's dead Exactly. Like if they're gonna bring Ridley back, I'm totally down with that. But don't bring the real Ridley back. Yeah. That Ridley is dead. Bring back 
robot Ridley or Ridley clones or Ridley X or whatever it is. Um, I mean, even in Super Metro, we know there's a lot of significance to Ridley and the others because you can't even enter Torian unless you beat Ridley Mm -hmm. and the other space pirate generals, which also throws kind of things into whack, like Dragon and Fantoon, are are they space pirates? Uh, They're not Sabesians, but they're... They they're essential to beating the space pirates, but they're also on Zebis. Like that part gets very murky Mur- as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. Even even in the manual, Fantoon, Dragon, Crocmire, Craid, like they're not mentioned to have any affiliation. Ridley is not even mentioned to be a leader. Just he headed the mission to the space colony. What I thought was really interesting though is the the under the Torian enemy section, there are two parts where it says space pirates, Zebesians. These feared aliens are the scourge of the galaxy. They are known for stealing galactic trading ships and leaving crews stranded in space. So they specifically say space pirates and then sub Zabesians. So they're a part of the space pirates and are separate. But then they also say space pirates, key hunters. Apparently the key hunters are space pirates from another galactic system who helped rebuild Zebus. That is unexplained. And, I, and honestly, I didn't even know that. <laughs> I thought they were just creatures that were on Zebus. Apparently they're not. They're space pirates but are they the same space pirates in the same organization they came from another system i don't think that's ever mentioned again except another m um yeah. what's going on with that <laughs> weird yeah i'm reading the manual right now and that's uh that's news to me well at this point we all know how super metroid goes uh samus comes through defeats the space pirates on zebus defeats ridley mother brain Kraid, all their affiliated creatures and allies whether they're space pirates affiliate officially or not and that is where we get the true end of the space pirates as far as we know mm-hmm. now we've been talking about this whole episode of like there have to be other space pirates elsewhere like these can't be the only ones blah blah but it's at this point in the story in the metroid story when we've only got a few more games where Metroid and the developers are very keen on letting you know that the space pirates are 100% eliminated and we've destroyed all of them. That there is no chance that there are other space pirates out there. And that Mm -hmm. starts with Other M, which at the very beginning, Other M makes it seem that the space pirates have been entirely eradicated by the end of Super Metroid. Um, In Samus's first monologue, she specifically says... uh, there was an explosion that followed destroying planet Zebus along with the remains of Mother Brain. The space pirates have been a long-standing nemesis, Ridley. Okay, maybe she's just talking about the space pirates on Zebus. But then, as this is a famous quote from her third monologue, uh, I don't know how much time passed since then. Days went by in their quiet way, and people's recollections of Metroids and space pirates grew nebulous over time, relegated to a past concern of the galactic communities. Nothing more than a faded memory, which implies that so much time has passed that people are forgetting about the space pirates and that they have been eradicated because they haven't been seen anywhere else to refresh anyone's memory. So apparently they are actually entirely gone, which I I, don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) uh, So here's the thing. Like I, I, I referenced the pie chart earlier, right? So if you, if you just taking my very loose analogy and like 50% of the space pirates are, Mm -hmm. are the Zebus ones and the 25% are the pirate homeworld ones. 75% 75% of your space pirate fleet is gone. So mm-hmm. if I was the last 25%, I'd probably be laying low as well and like regrouping. And and I think that if if you were to bring the space pirates back in a Metroid game, I, I think you could offer that explanation. And like, mm-hmm. I would have no problem buying that. And I think a lot of people wouldn't have a problem buying that explanation. Uh, it, they could all be wiped out because it, it does seem like they do go to lengths to say like, 
hey don't they worry. really do yeah <laughs> like uh, this game specifically goes to a lot of lengths even in the manual samus specifically says oh the space pirates were terminated along with planet zebus outright and also mentions again that mother brain is the leader of the space pirates not ridley by the way mother brain really um, looks like the leader of the space pirates in super metroid 2 instead of yes. instead of ridley for what it's worth 100 um, um but yeah like, like even in metroid fusion like you see the space pirates the the ex space pirates and it seems like kind of a, a big deal because they're just like oh they're supposed to be gone um so i i think that i think that they you know i'm sure they'll come back and, and i think that explanation is is gonna work. yeah and again i think that yeah it, it comes down to the perspective as well if samus destroys all the space pirates and no one has seen any of them and they're laying low yeah she could rightly rightly assume that they're all gone but she doesn't really know that unless she were to scour every inch of the galaxy which apparently no one is still doing like when they went to Zeb- when they went to SR three eight eight to destroy the Metroids, I don't know why there wasn't a simultaneous operation to go and destroy all the remaining space pirates everywhere and just eradicate them as well. But I guess maybe that's the not maybe that maybe too morally gray to do that. Um, uh, the Metroids, that's fine. But <laughs> I don't I don't know if you were just about to cover this, but Other M also introduces probably one of my least favorite parts of space pirate lore. Was, Are we about I to was. get into that right now? I was, yeah, yes. all right. I'll let you so... I'll let you do the honors. So, the Space Pirates' involvement in Other M mostly boils down to another breeding experimentation program. Specifically, the Galactic Federation identifies the Zabesians specifically as a species that is both controllable and powerful and could be used as a powerful army. So they create on the bottle ship a program in which to develop... Oh, did we, did we lose you, oh, Dad? That what... Oh, there you are. Oh, did... I was, did you oh, lose me? Was that just me? <laughs> I lost. I lost y'all. But I yes. I don't know where you lost me. But Doom. Yes, I'm talking about the Zabesians, uh being bred as a bioweapon army because apparently they are controllable and powerful and are feral creatures unless controlled. Apparently, so dumb. I absolutely hate that. Not as dumb as them controlling Samus and Federation Force, but just yeah, that's not the same. Yeah, we were, we were just. Yeah, we, we were just talking about how much we love, like, you know, kind of how Prime deviated, or even the original Metroid, how it kind of deviated from, like, what you typical typically think of, like, when you hear Pirate, how it's, like, actually this really cohesive, like, well-organized, like, like kind of, you know, militia mm-hmm. or faction almost. But then, and granted, this is just for the Zabesians, not all of the Space Pirate species, but even still, it's just, it, it's, it's just lame. Yeah, I mean, lame. it's it's not the biggest reach, I will say that, because... Mother Brain does seem to have a control over the Zabesian space pirates on Zebus, and we mm-hmm. see during the Prime Trilogy, Dark Samus brainwashes all the space pirates in two logbook entries. Like they're they're almost more than happy to be like, yeah, like, someone lead us. So yeah, I agree, I, but I, I feel like that's different reach. though because that was that was one game where Dark Samus did that though, and it kind of was there to demonstrate just how powerful dark samus had become oh, at this i agree and it's also like a pattern of behavior though with with the yeah species. like i i actually i that's not what i, I thought you were going to bring up both. when you guys were talking about that i, I don't mind that the Zabesians are, are controlled and bred I think like, it's I, nonsense. It, it, like it, is it is it my favorite no like is, is it is it the worst thing that other m does no it's not yeah it's, I, I think what fair. i thought you were gonna go do and and i i might be jumping the shark again was was the other mind control uh, apparatus? I, well, I, well I'm, I might, I might be getting there, uh, and if I don't, you can mention it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so they're talking about controlling the Zabesians, um, and then apparently that's why they needed to create a mother brain esque 
thing to control them. Though they also note that the Ridley clone has some kind of influence on the Zabesians as well. Uh, that's, Samus... that's lame. Well, this is where I think things kind of go off the deep end. Like in a few of Samus's monologues, she's talking about the resurrection of the space pirates and how the Zabesians can become space pirates by being influenced or controlled rather than remaining feral creatures. And that this, yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know what, what that even means, but they're like almost either both conflating Zabesians and space pirates together, but also like being a space pirate is like a level of, I don't know, consciousness or control or intelligence or something that the Zabesians can hit or something. Like, I don't even know what, I, honestly, at this point, I was like, I don't, I'm 26 pages into this document and I don't have no idea what Samus is talking about, but it seems to imply that the Zabesians can become space pirates that they don't just like choose to start raiding ships, but they like, it's like a level of their like being and otherwise they are feral unless controlled. If someone wants to explain to me better in the comments or in discord, you can. Cause yeah. I was at the loss at this point. Say don't I, ask us. Cause <laughs> I, I will say, I will say I've mentioned this before. I'm going to mention it again. I really like the idea of MB, like the, the artificial intelligence that that controls something. Do I, mm -hmm. I, I? But I don't love necessarily what she act, what they actually end up controlling, which is which is the species, which like is kind of like eh, it, it's not the worst, it's, it's not the best. Uh, but when it was like she controls the Metroids via. Uh, telepathy that was just kind of like oh yeah uh, that wasn't really? space pirate related but yes she yeah like controlling stuff with telepathy yeah, so that that that's what i thought you were referring to doom when you're just no. kind of like that kind of stinks which i think that that one stinks to me yeah. worse than the other thing but then even when they get rid of mb it's like the threat of the zabesians has been nullified as they have no longer anyone to control them so like does that mean like they can just leave like they should I, I, yeah I, that to me sounds like they're just gonna go buck wild to start maiming people well that's kind of what happens in other m right like they create yeah. the space these abesians and they go crazy and that's why they have to figure out something to control them but that does that imply that the abesians before they created mother brain were just feral things out in space and weren't space i i really don't know what it's trying to get at but the salient point i think by at this point the real space pirates they're they're gone yeah. right and we're not seeing we're seeing a shell of their their former being and I can't say I can't entirely blame other M for that because fusion also kind of talks about the space pirates in the same capacity. Um, it talks about them returning for the Metroid hatchling. Um, it says that Samus uh, exterminated them on Zebus entirely. It talks about Zabesian space pirates and capitalizes it as such. So it's, it's talking about them specifically. Um, in the manual, it says these feared aliens once tried to use Metroids to further their schemes, talking about them in a past tense. Mm. And obviously, all we see about the space pirates are essentially what we can assume. It's never explained, but I think once Other M came out, it can be assumed that the the space pirates on the BSL during the events of Metroid Fusion are X clones that were created from DNA samples or remnants that were yeah. collected from the Zabesian program that was identified in Other M before Other M they just arrived on the, the BSL much like Ridley, which is what I kind of loved about it because it, it was a great mystery. But at this point, the space pirates are, as far as we know them, non-existent. They're a, a, a puppet for the X, a puppet for whoever's doing stuff with them and other M. Ridley X is kind of the last mainstay of it, and even then, that's just a, a, a clone of a clone of the original Ridley at that point. 
which I always thought, by the way, which is a really kind of interesting thing. How once with other M, the context is that the Ridley X clone is actually a clone of a clone and not the original Ridley clone, which is kind of why I think is a good explanation for why the Ridley X clone looks so dramatically disproportional and messed up because it's derived from like a clone of a clone. It's kind of like slowly but surely like getting crazier proportions and becoming a character caricature of the original Ridley, which I always thought was interesting. And I would love to even like, what's the next clone of that? And that gets so much farther from what the original Ridley looked like. It's not even the same I thing. I can't anymore. believe we didn't get Emmy Ridley. That just, that chaps me thinking about it. And and that brings me to Metroid dread, which has no space pirates, no, no Ridley, no appearance whatsoever, which I think kind of, again, puts in the, the space pirates are gone and they've been eliminated at this point. They don't play a role in the game. There is that one hieroglyphic panel that you can see in a cutscene that shows yes. the Machin tribe, yeah, overthrowing the Zabesian pirates specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, unsure where this took place, if it was on Zebus or somewhere else, but it literally shows them like casting them off like a cliffside and like yep. um and literally like um uh, controlling them. Yeah. yeah, and then though I guess technically. I mean, if you count if you count crate as a space pirate yeah, i was gonna say yeah he does show up but at least from my inter from what i've just went through and read it is not at all clear to me that crate has is any space pirate more than a creature they find on the road that they decide to have part of their army like it, it seems like it was subjugated crate just like the chozo yeah. the malkin subjugate creed whether it's the same one or a different one that's i mean i think there's a very good chance there's multiple creeds i was gonna say i um, think that creed probably has more evidence than not that there's yeah. like there's not just one creed like there's like mm-hmm. even in super metroid there's little creed then there's papa creed you know yep, so i, I feel like they might have captured uh teenager creed because it, it didn't look as ginormous to me in that in that image that you unlock at the end of metroid dread but yeah mm-hmm. that's that's i mean that's pretty much it for, for that and game. that's then that's it for the space pirates, as far as we know. Going out of Metroid Dread, they could appear in Metroid Prime 4, certainly, but out of Metroid Dread, there's nothing else, and for right now, that's the history of the space pirates. Very, very comprehensive. Great job, Dak. And I still miss some things, too. That's a ton of research. (laughs) We are two hours in. So, yeah, that's... uh, Holy smokes. Um... Well, I think well, I think Prime Four. They're very likely to show up in Prime Four. I don't know yeah. how big of a role. I, I'm. I think I could see it being more of like an Echoes role, where like they're like in the story, but they're not like you know they're kind of reacting to all the events, whether as like being yeah. you know kind yeah. of the main instigator of those events. Well, I wanted. I want. I, I had that for the future of the Space Pirates section. Um, yeah, I, I actually what I would love is if Metroid Prime Four shows us the space pirates being truly like that's the game that should show us yeah the space pirates are actually eradicated except on zebus like that game should definitively like deal with any other space pirates if that's if that's what the nintendo and metroid like want like by the end of dread like there are no space pirates and i think it needs to be more definitive i would love if prime 4 like addresses that like deals with any other remaining pockets of space pirate forces elsewhere outside of zebus and deals with those so that it could be a, kind a of great like side quest in that game. Like, go hunt bounties. Like, I know we're veering into game. Hunt the remaining space pirates. Yeah, like I think that could be really engaging. Now, it, it does, I feel it like does take one. I just want to get one thing out before I forget it. It does matter where in the Metroid timeline Metroid Prime Four takes place because I, I think a lot of people, rightly so, have, have assumed it's going to take place immediately after Prime Three or Federation Force or whatever. Uh, which yeah. you know you you would be very well. Uh, you'd be very well right to assume that, but I, I do think that it's not a guarantee. Like, I think 
Uh, if it takes place later in the timeline and they're just calling it Metroid Prime 4 to let you know it's a first-person shooter, there there could be a chance where you don't see Space Pirates. Personally, I, I don't I don't see that. But I, yeah. I think, like, if it takes place after Corruption, which it probably should, that sounds like a great use of the Space Pirates in that game to me. Like, maybe not as the primary antagonist, but, like, an auxiliary, like, hey, like, if you want extra content, like, uh, maybe you could even weave in extra boss battles. Maybe you could even weave in Weevil. Like, hey, like, the, there's... We're detecting yeah. space pirate uh, remnants on these planets. Go take them out. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. I mean, even that operation I was saying where, like, they should take out the Metroids, like, maybe between Federation Force and Sam- yeah. and Metroid 2, that's what Samus is doing, destroying yeah. all the other space pirates so they're only left on Zebus. I don't know. I was going to say, I could I could see that as being, like, kind of, like, the starting conflict that leads yes. into Prime 4's greater story. So, like, for instance, like, you know, in Metroid Prime, you know, Samus goes to investigate you know, a random distress signal. And it just so happens she stumbles upon a much larger operation, which leads to something even more dangerous going on. I, I mean, can see something what's... like that with Prime. I can see something like that with Prime 4, where it's like, hey, we detected the last major holdouts of space pirate activity. Mm-hmm. We're sending you to go here, Samus. And then through there, she finds, you know, Silex and what he's doing and maybe some other greater threat as well that's slightly unrelated to the pirates. They just kind of happen to all yep. be in the same area. I 100% agree. That, yeah. I mean, that makes sense, too, because literally all of the Prime games except Hunters are started by the Space Pirates doing something or being somewhere mm-hmm. and someone trying to do something about it. That's true. Um, so that would make a ton of... I mean, even Super Metroid is kicked off by a Space Pirate doing something like that. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that makes total sense. Um, I would love to see that. I would... I have a couple things I want to get real quick because I know we don't want to be here too too long um, before we jump into, like, what we want to see for the future of the space parts any more than that. But I just want to say like going through all this, my biggest takeaway is like fascinating stuff. This was like really cool to like read through all the lore books again and, and go through the history and follow everything. Like I was like, Oh, I love that. That's what I love about Metroid. Like got me all like excited about Metroid again. Um, the space pirates definitely show how even in, in Metroid, the continuity is a fickle thing and, and hard to wrangle. And even for Metroid for all its consistency is, is still very inconsistent um i wish there was some more clarity between what are space pirates and what aren't who's leading it and who isn't i would love for a metroid game to come in and just tell me straight up who's running it who was running it at all these times where everyone is like a big chart or something a map they, you, you know what they could they have do? democratic elections every four years to determine their new leader obviously that's like <laughs> i need a metroid historica or something like, that's I, what I, I was want, gonna say like, like i i actually don't think that that's like I mean, it's not very likely, but it's not like completely no. impossible that with Metroid Prime That's 4, there's like, you know, I'm looking at my copy of Hyrule Historia over here. Like, give us, give us the Metroid version of that where it yeah. details that, you know, and, and and for that matter too, like, as we'll talk about at a future episode of uh, Logbook Archives, but like the, the inner workings of the Galactic Federation, like that was one of my favorite things of the manga is just mm-hmm. like, wow, there's like, there's a, there's a home planet where these guys are. There's like this, this leader guy. And like, I didn't know yeah. that. That's really cool. And and I would love for that, for the space pirates as well to see, like to see command, like, you know, yeah. who is high command? Who, who is really yeah. supposed to be? And, and like, tell me like at all these different parts of the game, like who was the leader? Who was the, like, yeah. go back and retcon everything and just make it clear and consistent. And, and you know so what? I would know you'd have a, you'd have a hell of an opportunity to introduce a new great villain into the Metroid series as well. Cause like, Let's say that there is a high command. There's a leader of that high command. Like I got my picture, like the elusive man from Mass Effect being that guy or something. You know what I mean? Just like a, a new, a new well, villain for Samus to to go after. Yeah, I mean, even just looking at the space pirates, like for the future of the space pirates, like I personally would love to see them come back. I love the space oh, pirates. Yeah, they're super too. cool. 
But it's, as we've talked, I, I think it's very unclear that they're truly eradicated. The games want me to think this so badly, but even in their games, it's I'm not super convinced. There's still a lot of unknowns. High Command, Security Command, Command. We have no idea what happened to them after the events of, of Prime 3, really, or who's really involved in that. Like you said, we could go into that. Mm -hmm. um, those two other, I mean, we talked about maybe those two other frigates from Prime ended up at Zebus, or maybe they ended up somewhere else, and we have no idea. Maybe they ended up in the Bermuda system and be, somehow became the pirates there, or maybe they ended up somewhere completely different, and we learned what happened with them. And, and of course, as we mentioned, like there really could be space pirates still scattered everywhere. There should, from all, logically... From what I've read through, there should be. And the only reason that there isn't in the story is because the story says so and not because naturally that seems like what would have happened. Yep. But I would love to see them come back, especially in Metroid Prime 4. Even after Dread, I think it would be great to see like like the most like if they want to make the space pirates feral, that's when you make them feral when they're like they're literally have no organization and are completely destroyed. And even then I'd love to see how they bounce back. So yeah, bring them back. I would love to see it. I was yeah. I was gonna say one of my one of my biggest like nitpicks or pet peeves when it comes to like Metroid storytelling is kind of the disconnect between 2D and 3D games. Not necessarily like when it comes to references. Like I, I think mm -hmm. I think it would be I, I think it would be bad if like they overly referenced each other too much. But like right. in terms of like the consistency, I mean, because you know we've talked, you know, we just had a lo long conversation about like all the incons, not just the 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 vague stuff, but like just the straight up inconsistencies between the you know even within their own arcs, let alone like when they intersect together. And mm -hmm. I just I kind of wish that you know like. That they that both of you know the 3D team and the 2D team just kind of consulted each other and like even if it's not perfect, just kind of had like a general idea of where like each of their stories were going and then kind of like model something you know in response to that. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. I, like I don't, I don't think they need to like lay out like a like a like a Marvel phase where they like you know lay out all yeah. the movies and stuff but like it, it would be nice because sometimes it does feel like the left hand doesn't necessarily talk to the right and it almost feels like there's like um like a little bit of uh how do I put this like like sibling rivalry almost between the 2D teams and the 3D teams and that they they're they're it's almost like they work against each other sometimes instead of with each other which I don't really, I don't really get that feeling. I don't get the sibling rivalry feeling. It's more so they just don't really communicate with each other all that often, which is well, weird. I mean, if, there, like, if there was no rivalry, they, why, why aren't they communicating? There's no reason. Cause, well, because, well, because well, there's because for whatever reason they don't really need to communicate with each other. They're two different. They're they're two different teams. Like I, I think they should, but like they I, I don't think, really see. A necessity I think what the series needs is you know when you think of Zelda. Uh, at least on the like the the development side, you think of EGA Anuma. You don't really have that with Metro. You have two guys that you think of, and mm -hmm. and, and like maybe maybe one of them. I would just say even kind of move. Up. I would say even three now because you got um uh what's his face? I can't remember the guy who is like always always is there when like uh, Prime Four news comes out, and I cannot remember his oh, name for I, life yeah, right I, now. I, he he's not who I think of when I think of like the guy for Metro. But but I mean your point is well served. It's like. There's a lot mm -hmm. of, of different, much you like need the a space pirates. Behind the yeah. scenes. You, need, you need someone who's there who wants to push the new thing, which yeah. I think was the the problem that Metroid had for so long is that there wasn't one person who was like the, like trying to make Metroid happen overall and managing the whole thing. You had all these separate studios jumping in and out and there's no consistency. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it's a better situation though. Yes. It would be great if there was like a single entity or person who just oversaw the whole thing and really kept that continuity and, and vision together. Um, 
but at the same time, I think it's also really cool that we have like a very like big dichotomy and difference with like the two studios that are working on uh, Metroid right now and, and seeing their visions and how things are interpreted. Right. And even with Mercury Steam, I mean, they've there's certainly like interest to maybe condense things. I mean, they brought, you know, Meta Ridley technically into Samus Returns like that is absolutely like a if the, I mean, obviously the Prime series is canon. But if you ever were on any Internet forum for years, I mean, there are so many people who will argue vehemently that the, it is not. And with Samus Returns, it, it 100% canonizes it. So, like, that's a major thing that they did not have to do, and they did it. Yeah. Uh, Shinya Takahashi, game. that's who I was thinking of. Mm. Yeah, there you go. Um, okay, well, so that's... Oh. I mean, obviously, I'm hoping we see a lot more of the Space Pirates. Or, or you know, maybe an organization rises from the ashes of the Space Pirates. That's That would be cool, too. Um, the Space so Pirates. Only, only time will tell, so... <laughs> There it is, our, our debut episode of uh, Logbook Archives. And what a debut episode. Holy smokes. This is, I think I was away for the box art episode, so this is the longest episode of this podcast I've ever done, for sure. Uh, so great, great job again. Thank you to you, Dag. Thank you to all the the, the sources and references and stuff that, yes. that we used for this list as well. Um, all right. Let's get out of here, guys. Uh, of course, yes. <laughs> we want you to check us out over on Twitter at Omega Mentor and Pod, at Dax City underscore at Duminal Cross, and at Spateri316. OmegaMentor.com has all of these uh, Space Pirate uh, um, scans if you want to go and read them for yourself. So go and check that out, as well as any walkthroughs, guides, stuff like that. Uh, we're over on Patreon. We actually just ranked the Pirate Homeworld in our Great Metroid Area ranking. So that is up there for you as well. And, uh, of course, wherever you get your podcast, like, subscribe, recommend, and let us know what you think about this show. We're Like I, like we said at the beginning, we're, we're still tweaking the format a little bit. Obviously, we uh, we went a little bit long, so we hope that you guys appreciated all the thoughts and, and just detail into this timeline. It's going to be a fun episode to timestamp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good luck with that, buddy. Is, yeah. Uh, well, okay. Well, we're going to be back here next week. We're doing the definitive ranking of Metroid Prime 3 Corruption. I'm stoked for that. I'm going to have a lot to say, and uh, let's just leave it there. So until then, everybody, take care.